Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Wakanda forever. Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome back once again to Talk Until the Joy is Gone podcast. I am Rooney. This guy over there who looks like he's about to go out and mug an old lady is uh, is a very angry, angry, pissed off Steve. Is that why you've got your hood up? Does that help channel the inner darkness? It is, yeah. (laughs) Worst Sith Lord ever. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. I had, oh, it's you that's pissed me off. Oh, good. <laughs> it's you that's just brought nothing but absolute fucking stress and bullshit to my life this week. <laughs> Whatever could you be talking about, Stephen? What could the fuck? Right. Do you remember like three days ago when you sat down to do a big, massive promotional interview? <laughs> <laughs> Let me jog your memory because shortly after that, I got a pretty angry email. Was it from the Coochie Crew? <laughs> don't. Don't start already. <laughs> I can't help it. You're, this is what gets me in trouble with Amy, because I think it's hilarious when she gets angry as well. <laughs> but, look, it's not just me that's angry. You really upset these two women. Listen, <laughs> listen to this email, right? Okay. So there I was, right? going through my day happy go lucky just like smile on my face just like yeah life is good and then this fucking pops into the inbox right listen to this bullshit steve what the fuck (laughs) i mean any email that starts with what the fuck is never going to be a good email (laughs) it's never going to be a happy email no stop laughing this is this is your fault it's your fault i had to read this right steve what the fuck we agreed to this interview because we thought Rooney was smart and eloquent, but he made you look like a master orator. He used the word slag 14 times, six of which were directed at us. He said some of the most vile, disgusting things I've ever heard. I can't believe any of this. The fact that you promised, promised us a great interview and what we got was just the most offensive and disrespectful shit I've ever heard. Please. Never contact us again and never use the name of our podcast again. You two are an embarrassment to your gender, your country and podcasting. Fuck off. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine how fucking happy I was to get that email? The look on your face tells me that you don't give a shit. You must have been overjoyed because you love being dominated by angry, aggressive women. So you probably got a full on chub for that. She called me a fucking embarrassment to my country, my gender, and to podcasting. <laughs> Maybe you should have done the interview. My gender and podcasting, I'll take. But an embarrassment to my country. Well, we got, we got like fucking all lives matter bloke walking around with stupid t-shirts <laughs> like a prick, and I'm an embarrassment to our country. But you all really because of game. you. <laughs> all because of you. I mean, I, I did email well back and asked, asked to hear the recording of the interview. And she said, we've already deleted it. It's gone. We saved it on a USB and we burnt it because we were that that disgusted by what you said. So can you fill me in? Can you tell me why on earth you felt the need to go on there 
and use the word slag 14 times. Well, yeah, that that's that's kind of that kind of backfired, you see, because last week I said that I was using slag more to get it out of my, you know, I was I was trying to phase it out of my lexicon. Well, phasing it out wasn't working because after uh, the the episode last week, I was just using it for everything. You know, it was just slag, 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 slag. And then it kind of, yeah, I lost control a little bit. Um, oh, and... you lost control a little bit. <laughs> Apparently you said the most offensive and disrespectful shit these two women have ever heard. And you know the name of their podcast. You know what they talk <laughs> about every week. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. Her mum is a bit of a gilf. So... Uh... She needs to learn to roll with the punches. I mean, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And uh, Did you, you at know. least use the name of our podcast? I mean, I know it's not going to go out then. You're not going to do any kind of marketing for our <laughs> pod because it's never going to see the light of day. But still, like, <laughs> the look on your face tells me you didn't even shout us out once. I, don't, I, I might have done. I did go on a couple of tirades against feminazis and militant feminism. Um and I, I may have referenced us during That's one the of the cornerstone of our fucking podcast <laughs> of recent, recently. That <laughs> is the, the cornerstone <laughs> of what we're building here. That's part of our brand at the moment. What? Oh, Jesus Christ! You know, I'd never heard somebody use um. Subtext I'm, I'm literally lost for words. Before, <laughs> you just did it there. You were putting provisos in, you know, in real time there. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. Maybe that's it. Maybe if I mastered the art of, of you know, adding um, adding parentheses in my speech whilst I was doing that interview, then I, they would have picked up on the fact I was doing it for Telols and they would have known that I wasn't being serious. Well, some of the time I wasn't being serious. <laughs> well, I mean, look, some of this, some of this rests with you because you sent, me on, you sent me on a podcast with two middle aged women cackling about their coochies whoa whoa whoa, whoa. stop that shit i've already got i've already got a like fucking beg beg for their fucking forgiveness at the end of this don't make it work you'll enjoy that you'll have a semi the entire time you're writing that email i know you i'm not i'm doing it live on i'm doing it live on the pod so they can hear the sincerity don't make make this into one of those weird podcasts oh i don't want to hear the old Again, you're welcome, listeners. There's a little bit of ASMR for you. <laughs> Listen, I am so apoplectic with rage right now. That I'm lost for words. I just don't know what to do. And this, is, this ain't even the worst thing you did to me this, this week. You did something else, which I'm going to get onto in a minute, that's like fucking life and death. So oh, I stopped enjoying podcast ever. and laughing. What I, really think, what I really think you need is some self-reflection. You need to... Look at yourself in the mirror and think, is this really the person I want to be? Can I get dressed up to is look in the mirror? Is this really the podcaster I want to be? Because right now, like they say, you're an embarrassment to your gender, your country, and to podcasting in general. <sighs> dear, 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 dear. One day, one day, Steve, you'll take that, that dragon-shaped dildo out of your ass and, and you'll come to appreciate you'll come to appreciate all the things I've I've done, not just for this podcast, not just for this country, not even just for this planet, but for this species. Through the through the, like the what? The, Calling well, women slags and fucking yourself is not is not something to be proud of. 
I mean, one, you, it's not something to be ashamed of either, appreciate but it. at the same time. <laughs> you just can't appreciate it because I, I have an evolved sentience. I am the next stage of human evolution. You slag. Oh, so we're going to evolve from... <laughs> so we're going to evolve from what? Like half decent people into just ass fucking people that say slag constantly like it's uh, not funny ass fucking potty mouthed bastards that is the yes. future of humankind oh, fuck sake kill me now where's the bleep <laughs> I almost I almost reading that email right the other day I I reached for the glass of bleach but it turns out my mum's cleaned my room and it weren't there anymore so god damn it <laughs> so it's gonna go off is it can you no, but she's a clean freak. So, can you? Um, I've been woken up by the Hoover around your house before. Yeah. Can you bite <laughs> your tongue for like thirty seconds just so I can try and dig us out of this fucking hole you've got us in? <laughs> I can certainly try. All right. Zip it, girls. From the bottom of my heart, I am incredibly sorry that we ever came into your life. I really thought I could trust this guy, but it turns out he's nothing but a fuck up. He's just, he's, he thinks he's big, clever, and funny, and we all know he's neither. His fiance told me he's definitely not big. Oh. So, please, please accept our sincerest apologies going forward. We will never use the name of your podcast again. We will never talk about you. And, um, yeah, we will do our best to try and, like, be better for our gender, our country, and for podcasting in general. We are so... I am so sorry. And uh, trust me, when his fiance's flogged him and given him a good aggressive peg in later, he will be sorry too. It's funny because I had to make some apologies like that to people when we were when we were a few years younger. They involved less flogging and pegging. Um, and I, I didn't have to reference podcasts named like after uh, sexual conquests. But yeah, it's just funny how the tables have turned, isn't it? <laughs> what? When did you ever have to... I've apologised for you on numerous occasions. Well, I mean, the, one that, the one that comes to mind, the one that comes most readily to mind, um, is in was in the Hair Pub. Uh, some oh. chap had a very attractive girlfriend, and you said to him he should take her home and give her give, give her one for you, or some words to that effect, Mister Feminism. Um, that was, and he that was like that. That was my 18th birthday. That was, was about four really o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, we started drinking in Riley's at 10 a.m., didn't we? Uh, and by that point, somebody had started feeding me tequila. Do you not remember, <laughs> like, 30 seconds after I almost got in that fight, I went outside and puked up in the... I don't know, you spent so much of that time frame, like, either almost getting in a fight or vomiting that... <laughs> It's a blur. It's a blur of no, no, no. Just yeah, just leave it. Leave it be, mate. Leave, yeah, he's really sorry. <laughs> and you, and you, just just up in his face. Shake my hand, mate. No, just shake my hand. <laughs> shake my hand, mate. And it's like he's going to glass you. He has a pint glass in his hand right now. <laughs> I was an antagonistic little prick. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I ain't been deaded yet. To be yeah. fair. <laughs> anyway, oh, come on then. What was what's the other thing I did to ruin your life? The other thing. The other thing, you thought you were fucking funny. You thought you were so fucking funny making jokes about me and Stacey. Then now I've got a fucking beef. I got a beef <laughs> like a West Coast, East Coast fucking beef with a man 
that I respect more than 99.5% of the people I know. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, right? When your life ends and you lose everything, you find out who your friends are. Three, I can name three people that reached out to me to make sure I was doing all right. Stacy, Ash, and you. Since then, you fucked it up, so you're not even on the list anymore. My only ride and dies now are Stacy and Ash. Well, they were Stacy and Ash until you thought you were fucking clever and started making jokes about me and Stacy. And now Ash is on on a fucking on a hunt. He called me the other night, bro. He called me, fam. He said I got sticks in the van and it's on site. On fucking site, fam. Is he a builder now? Fucking forget that. He's got fucking sticks in the van and it's on site. Next what does that mean? Me, Speak sticks English, me, motherfucker. Sticks me guns, bitch. He's got guns in the van, and next oh. time he sees me, he's not even going to stop to think about it. He's going to murk me where I stand. I thought he had a Ford Focus. Literally, the minute we finish this, I've got to go get me a WAP, a vest, and see how much money i got left to hire soldiers for the war. Damn, <laughs> this is not funny. He's not like you and me. Ash is a fucking G. He don't mess about. No Wait. violations, man. <laughs> no violations. It's just the same Ash who uh, at one of my house parties prevented me from squashing a spider. He just scooped it up very delicately and took it outside and released it back into the wild because he didn't want me to hurt it. Look, G's can be complex too. G's <laughs> can be co- Look, listen, I respect the man. I respect the man, like I said, more than most people. But now he wants me dead. All because well, listen, you can't keep your mouth right. shut. If you if you respect him so much, you shouldn't have been cracking onto his wife. I wasn't. You did. I tried to explain. He said, what? no, 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 fam. I wouldn't crack onto Stacey. She intimidates he said, no. me. He said, no, fam. You didn't demand he edited it out. So you're just just as much <laughs> to blame. I said, I, can't, I wouldn't. He wouldn't have edited it out even if I asked him to. He no, never that, does anything, I say. No, that, that is also true. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm, now I'm in a fucking beef. Now I'm about to get in a war. Because you can't keep your mouth fucking shut. All right, 50p. Well, if, if you do get gunned down whilst, you know, strolling the mean streets of Bush Fair, I'll say something, I'll say something touching in your eulogy, I swear. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I ain't getting involved. If man got beef and he's got some sticks in his lorry, I'm just, yeah, I ain't getting involved. I don't, sticks and stones may break my bones. You know, I've not heard the nursery rhyme. Sam. I thought we were boys. Apparently not. No, you flew me under the bus. You sent me into that harpy's den to to talk about like coochies and vaginal discharge no. for an hour and a half. I sent you to promote our podcast so we can become global superstars. It was you that decided to fucking call them slags and that was it. <laughs> Ruined that shit. Now you're ruining my life. <laughs> well, my work here is done. I figure, I figure like if you die, you go out in like a blaze of glory. Um, that, well, that will get us in the news, and then I can build on that, and then it will just be every episode will be in memoriam of my dearly departed friend who may or may not have been shot by Ash. I mean, so, so, so I'm right. It is all about you. You don't give is, a fuck about anyone else. It's all about has you. Has there ever been any question that it was all about me? I mean, how long have you known me? <laughs> this long is the enough Rudy to build show. a delusion that you cared. You cared about you guys me, all just, even the, you guys in the slide. You're, you're all just guest stars on the Rooney show, okay? <laughs> I, I can we replace boys. you like that. <laughs> I thought we were boys. I thought we were gang, fam. And now now I'm in a beef. Now I'm in a war. Now man's going to roll up on me. Are you going to get 
should should I order the red leather jacket for you so that you can like start your own little motorbike street gang? <laughs> no, because I'd kill myself quicker than Ash will kill me. Oh just, yeah, yeah, that'd probably be less painful. Just just <laughs> promise me this, right? If I survive the war and we get through this and we keep doing the podcast, you will never make another joke about me and Stacey again. I mean, I ain't I, going. I don't want. I can't to make go promises, to wars, man. I'm not. I'm not a liar, Steve. I am many things. I am not a liar. I'm awful at it. So I could say, yeah, no, of course, fam. That's that's it's sacrosanct. Oh, I'll, I'll never. But you know, I will. I'll get on a flow, and it will just be like, bam, something inappropriate will come out, and you'll have beef again. Although I do like the fact that you're basically like you're you you can't. <laughs> you're just this big target sat next to me. I say the stuff, and people just come at you. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's not brilliant. It's, it's fucking brilliant. life and death. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all fucking jokes when you're Rooney, but oh, when no. you're the, when you're me, man's got like fucking beef now, fam. Man's got to like watch his back everywhere he goes. I'm not gonna lie, it sounds like a you problem. Ah, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh. I might not even be here next week. I might be either <laughs> be dead or just had enough of you. That I'm not doing the podcast anymore. I'm, well, I, I tell you what, noble listeners, if, down, if if he is dead. Um, and we don't get to do the recording next week. Um, what I'll do is I'll I'll smuggle a microphone, a little digital recorder, into the uh, the funeral, and I'll I'll sort of like live stream it for you. I'll give you a running commentary because obviously this is an audio only format, so I'll, you'll have to rely upon my mastery of the English language to describe the slow descent of the casket into the flames. Uh, the live stream of my funeral. Steve has insisted <laughs> on us playing the Black Parade in full. In full, and, <laughs> and then he and then he gets buried. Um, <laughs> looking around, there's only me and his mum and his brother in the room because no one else really gives a fuck. Stacy was <laughs> gonna come, but but Ash said no, and so uh, <laughs> they've gone into hiding because the world knows that he murked me. Um, I'll set up yeah. a webcam as well. I'll set up like one of those little um, those uh, 4G webcams on the on the headstone. So that when Ash does creep into the into the, the the cemetery to piss on your grave, we can we can use that. That's great promo material. You know, this podcast yeah, no, inserted no, no. this behaviour. Stop with the way you can use it. I'll be getting fucking eat decimated oh, by no, maggots. But by, by by we, I mean me and your replacement. Oh my own money replacement. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got lined up to replace me. Um, Alison Bree, I'm hoping. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, because you know. Who wouldn't want to be on a video chat with her for three hours a week? Because she's, she's, yeah. she is awesome. <laughs> so I might kill you myself if I think I can get if I can start a podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be it's not it's either gonna be her or or Jeff McHale or uh, <laughs> I want to say Jeff Troy Barnes, but that's not his name. <laughs> oh, talking to Troy. Talking oh, to God. Troy, I've got some shout outs. I need to get these shout outs out now before I get fucking murked going to the shop. <laughs> Take note of this, people. This could be the last thing, the last shout outs he ever does. First shout out goes to my friend Raj. Thank you. Thank you for continually, continuously telling me to check out Childish Gambino to the point that I actually did check out Childish Gambino. <laughs> I will always remember you for putting me onto, uh, onto the man. And shout out to Childish Gambino. I've been blasting a lot of Childish Gambino this week. And uh yeah, man's got bars, fam. 
man's got bars, cold, hard bars. And in fact, I realized this week he's got this tune called Bonfire. It was one of the first ones I ever listened to. And he's got this one bar on it, which is, it won't mean anything to you, but to me, (laughs) it's in my top five bars of all time. And it goes, let's see if I can remember it off the top of my head, off the top of my dome. It goes, the shit I'm going to do this year, the shit I'll do this year, it's insanity. Made the beat and murdered it. Casey Anthony. Boom. That shit is fire. And I want to shout out, I want to shout out Childish Gambino for having bars, fam. So that's it. I'd have have, have handled that that slightly differently. Hold tight, Childish. You are fucking, you are fire, fam. I'd I'd have handled that bar slightly differently. It would have been, you know, shit I'll do this year will be insanity. Be like Rupert Murdoch on a manatee. That's that's how I'd have gone with it. Because that really would be insane. You know, uh, that, that wrinkly can... old scrotum riding a sea cow. Get in it. Uh, <laughs> Hit me up, If Ms. my Gambino. brother listened to this podcast, I could make so many jokes about manatees that only him, him and my mum would get. Uh, <laughs> it's such a shame neither of them listen. <laughs> I, could, I could do 10 minutes on manatees right now. Oh. Uh, yeah, so we should do an episode on manatees. We'll just go away and spend a week researching manatees and just come back and just like tell everyone all the things we love about sea cows. It'd be awesome. <laughs> 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 and then the week uh, after, we can do yaks because everybody loves a yak. A yak. I remember you and Dal were fascinated with yaks. For well, a, a friend of ours, um, a, a friend of ours, you know, Jane, she, oh, yeah. she tagged me and Dal on, on a thing, a picture of a yak. On Instagram, like yesterday. <laughs> Jane was part of that rarefied group of people that you and Dale were friends with that you would never introduce me to. Not that I wanted to be introduced <laughs> to, but I just, as time went on, you two would have more and more conversations about these people, and I'd just be <laughs> left out in the cold, and you never introduced me. And I'm starting 17 <laughs> weeks into this podcast, I'm starting to understand why. <laughs> I think it's just because um, both me and Dal like fancied several members of that little social group and we didn't want to add additional competition because at that to point be in fair. time, we, we didn't view anyone else's competition apart possibly from you because we thought we were, we was up there and ting. <laughs> to be fair, you both could have lost girls to me in the past. So yeah, if I'd been a <laughs> exactly, cunt, see? if I'd been a cunt, you both could have lost girls to me in the past. <laughs> That goes to show how much I I appreciate my friends. Not that well, the one that was there when my life went to shit. Uh, but yeah, now getting you shot. Yeah, the one that's now getting got me in a fucking beef, fam. <laughs> so so, if you see me, if you see me wearing a bulletproof vest walking around town, that's why. That's why yeah. it's not a fashion statement. If you see me walking with my gun, Lane, that's why, fam. Gun, Lane. <laughs> Oh, just assume you need a piss. <laughs> you see me wearing a parka on a hot day, it's because the gun's tucked inside. <laughs> I'm hiding the whap, man. <laughs> what kind of gun are you, are you carrying that you need a parka to hide it? Sawn off shotty, huh? Sawn off shotty. I'm not a very good aim, so I need like to try Carl and hit the Jesus. I'm not a very good aim, so I need to hit the biggest target possible. <laughs> and I feel like brain. a sawn off shotty will do that. Yeah. Right. Well, before we descend any further into gangsterhood, uh, oh, I got a bar. 
My life's getting darker. I now carry a shot in my parka. Yeah. Wow. Fine. Sorry. This could Off be the, the start. Yeah. That. You're here at the birth of it, noble listeners. You're here at the birth of my first diss track, Brash. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the music to hit him up, and I'm going to write a diss track over the top. Just so, people, just so I can claim that I went down fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then goodness. after my funeral, Ash is going to release Who Shot You, the remix. <laughs> oh right oh god oh Is if anyone hasn't me? noticed i've been watching this show on on netflix this week called hip-hop evolution it's really good Check yeah. it out. <laughs> um you've derailed me now i have i was gonna do something very sensible oh yes right um the the the, the book book club really oh, yeah. joy is gone uh, just a reminder to everyone, because uh, as I realized last night, um, the deadline is drawing ever closer for submissions. Uh, and you're flicking through your notebook right now. So I assume you, you have the dates in front of you. Uh, I don't, but I do know them. The um, submissions need to be in by the 5th and the episode will come out the week later. So what's that? The 12th? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the 5th, the 5th of September, just in oh. case anyone... That's uh, you have done it again, haven't you? I'm going. I'm going to have to read it this week. <laughs> so, so have I. Yeah. <laughs> we you basically have a week to get a submission. To be into fair, it. I've read this book about four times before, so like I should be able to just quickly smash it. <laughs> it should all come fact, back. You don't, to even, you don't even have a week, do they? Because when this got when this airs, um, they'll only have a few days because this will come out on Wednesday. So this will come out. Which is the second act. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you're hearing this on release day, you have three days. Um, <laughs> to be fair, it, it's a fairly easy book. I, I've sunk maybe a couple of hours into it and, and I'm like 20% through. It's yeah. a, it's an easy read. Um, so it's only taking that long because I'm having to stop to scribble notes and things at the same time. Basically like the child's version of um, Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much so. It was written for his kids, wasn't it? So, um, yeah. But yeah, just wanted to shout out everyone, reminder that yeah, you when when you hear this, you have like three days to uh, hopefully Jesus. finish the book and These get mumps. your words into us. These months fly by. I'm like, oh, we just announced it. I've got time, and then <laughs> suddenly you're like, no, you've got you've got a week. Well, I made I oh, made shit. a mistake. All right, so we do a normal episode next week, and the week after we'll be book and the week one. after will be oh. the book one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to mess up the plan. It's okay. I made I made the mistake of um, when you when you asked what book it was. Yeah. I was like, okay, great. Well, I've read that before. I can, yeah, that's no problem. I know yeah. roughly how long that's going to take me. And then I, I ordered um like the whole almost the whole back catalogue of uh, Mega Tokyo, and started reading that. <clears throat> I'm now on like book five of six, and I'm like, yeah, I probably should have not started book five last week and actually like focused on the Hobbit instead, but. Yeah, what can I say? I'm a, I'm a sucker for uh, an anime webcomic, apparently. I saw something on um on the old gram the other day. Didn't you get shouted out by like the artist? I Didn't did. They to you or something? Didn't you get yes. out? Yeah, I, I yeah I fanboy. I don't often fanboy, as anyone who who knows me and my opinions on most celebrities will tell you. But um yeah, I really really like Mega Tokyo. If you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. And uh, I've been reading them back to back. 
and uh, I followed the, the the creator on Twitter, and he was tweeting about something. Um, oh, he said was, the, the live stream was going to be a little bit different this week, and uh, as, as an in joke, I said, "Oh, you're going to be building PCs in the nude, Largo style." And uh, he, within minutes, responded back to me, and I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Ah! Blake Hall, Rune, Blake Hall. So I just liked it and then screenshotted it and then shared it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, to be fair, I don't think there's many people that could like get me to fanboy like that. But if Garth Ennis ever like acknowledged my existence, I'd I'd be over the moon. <laughs> You're definitely fun. better at this name dropping business. Do you know that? You're far better at that because I've done that whole thing. I've mentioned the comics name. I haven't mentioned the, 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 the guy's name at all. But <laughs> Fred, oh, Fred Gallagher is his name. But yes, yeah. Fred Gallagher is his name. Um, Fred Rin on Twitter. Um, and I don't Old know why. Big <laughs> <laughs> up Garth Fennis as well. You write, you write my favourite comics in the world. <laughs> you are a genius. <laughs> right. We're going to we're gonna have to do a review on a comic book. We're going to have to do an episode on, 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 a, on a comic at some point. Oh, my, we're doing The Hobbit mm. because I can't afford it would be easy, easier. Like after Fight Club, I was a bit like, oh, no, <laughs> I need to make, I don't, I need to make my next choice like a lot more like episode friendly. Otherwise, my next choice would have been Watchmen. Oh, my. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to unpack in there. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I, I thought we could do a series of like eight book club episodes on Watchmen. <laughs> Were you there that reading that, that we went on the Sunday morning? We went to the lecture about Watchmen. I know Stacey was there because Stacey was the one that said to me, we've got to go, we've got to go. Possibly. It was like a Sunday morning in the comedy tent. This guy gave Reddy's like thesis on, on the imagery in Watchmen. Yeah. I was a bit, even though it was Sunday morning, I was a bit wasted. So... <laughs> I have like kind of blurry recollections of it, but I do remember it being really fascinating. I and remember, I remember being in the Stacey, it was like we we have to go to that. Yeah, I remember so, being really high. I remember that yeah, I remember yeah. being there, and I remember this guy waffling on, and me just I remember being really high and um, not really paying much attention, and basically sort of sleeping with my eyes open for most of it. I'm sure I it was fascinating, remember, but I just yeah. remember sitting there nursing my my awful cup of like tea. Because I was into tea and not coffee at that point. My awful cup of tea from one of them burger vans. They, they tasted like cups. death. But it was yeah. the best I could get at the time, yeah. I remember sitting yeah. in that tent, like, blurry-eyed, just like, wasted, <laughs> just nursing this tea. Like, this bloke's fascinating. You, I'll never get to remember. Do you get that at festivals anymore? Because, I mean, you, say you go to a music festival. No, not tea, you bellend. People reading theses about comic books. I, I don't mean, know. That's... that's the only time I ever... That's the only time I ever kind of... We went, well, I went to Reading for 10 years running, and that's the only time I ever remember that happening. Yeah, I think I went for like seven or eight years in a row. Yeah. And yeah, again, that's the only time I remember that happening. I've seen plenty yeah. of stuff like that at like Comic Cons and stuff like that, but I've sat in panels and things for, for stuff before there. But doing it at a music fest, uh, uh, A, part of me says that's a really good idea, and the other part of me says, what the hell were they thinking when they came up with that? <laughs> I think they were thinking it's Sunday morning. People aren't really going to be like at this part of the day. We've only just opened the arena. People probably aren't going to want to watch 
comedians just yet. So we'll chuck something on that people can just like eat their breakfast and drink yeah. their tea. And it was yeah, fascinating. I, mean, I do remember that. I do remember it being fascinating. And there was a whole lot of stuff about imagery that I really wish I could remember. <laughs> Sounds smart. But Maybe I you don't. should look it up. Look it up online. Hit the guy up and see if you can get a copy of it. See if I can get him to come on the podcast and give his lecture. Get him to come on the podcast. Exactly. I can just sit in the corner and go to sleep or something. <laughs> <laughs> you just get high and drink tea. Just get high in the corner. Yeah. Just be like... giggling. Oh, every, time mentions, every time he mentions uh, Dr. Manhattan, I'll just be <laughs> dong. Blue, <pain. laughs> Blue willy. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Shall we... Um, yeah, we shall. We crack on with, uh, with with what we're doing this week. This week was my choice, as will become self-evident as we get into it, because uh, it features giant mecha fighting giant monsters. Um, and yeah, it's really not Steve's bag. As I found out this morning, he didn't enjoy the film. So. <laughs> no, it's not. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can find plenty of positives. There's plenty of stuff that I enjoyed in it. It's just, yeah, it's, we'll get into my feelings on it. It's just, <laughs> it's not the kind of thing that I would sit down and watch. And I'll, yeah, so. <laughs> have you got trivia? I have got trivia. Um, uh, obviously, we're doing uh, Pacific Rim this week. This is the film we watched because we hadn't actually mentioned it. We did mention it at the end of the last podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it's Pacific Rim. Uh, it was released. Ju- ju- I can't even fucking talk. July twelfth, twenty thirteen. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, written by Guillermo del Toro and Travis Beecham, who also wrote the original story on which the film was based. Yeah. Um, had a budget of one hundred eighty to two hundred million US dollars. Again, I found conflicting figures on that. So make your own mind up on that. Uh, box office four hundred and eleven million US dollars. Which, I mean, it's a reasonable sum. It's hundred <laughs> percent. It's a hundred percent profit, really. Yeah, mm. and when you start looking at numbers like that, it's like I've got it written in front of me: four hundred and eleven million dollars. Obscene amounts of money. I, mean, I, I can't even. You can't even visualize that. You try imagining that in fifty-pound notes. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> it's obscene. If I could be bothered, <laughs> I'd, I'd work it out. But <laughs> you could feed the world with that. Yeah, you could buy everyone in the world a McDonald's. Probably, well, maybe not. But. <laughs> maybe not everyone. Maybe not you everyone. Could, you could buy you could buy something healthy, healthier than McDonald's for all the starving people in the world. You could buy everyone in the world an apple for four hundred eleven million dollars. Yeah, there you go. I mean, someone can have mine because I don't like apples. But you know. I've really got into apples, apples in the part. Like I was never into fruit until. The first time I did keto, which was like towards the end of last year, when my food choices were reduced <laughs> so much. <laughs> Basically, I lived on vegetables and fruit for Ooh, like three God. months. It's good. I dropped so so much weight, but yeah, I really got into apples. Apples and pears, <laughs> I really got into. See, I really I tried that the other month. Um, I was like, oh, I'm doing all the exercise and training and shit. I need to like bring my diet up to speed. It didn't work. By the way, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> my diet, my diet is still fucking awful. Um, and I was like, I tried an apple again because I, I do this every few years. I'll, I'll try an apple to see if I like them again. Yeah, I don't. And I was like, what about pears? What about pears? I've got a real craving for a pear. So I went, out, good, huh? I went out and bought one and I got halfway through eating one. And I was just like, I am really not enjoying this. 
Really? So, yeah, I tried for about, I tried two or three times. I went out and I bought some pears. And every time, I even tried, I was like, oh, it's the skin. The skin's gross. So I'll just, I'll cut, I'll cut the skin off. I'll peel it and I'll eat just the skinned pear. I was like, no, I'm still really not enjoying this. And what I about like a trying. baked pear? Have you ever had a baked pear? I don't know, right. actually. I don't it, think I have. It's really, like you, you peel it and you mm. bake it in some kind of like liquid like a simple like a syrup or something but it gets really it really soft and you just get a spoon and you touch it and it all falls apart yeah, but doesn't oh, that doesn't that defeat the purpose of like eating a pear because if it's like baked in syrup <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm not talking about health benefits now i'm talking about like an enjoyable <laughs> dessert there's, not, there's, there's nothing healthy about desserts but if you want to eat a pear that is a good way to eat a pear <laughs> i you don't can, want like, <laughs> Can slow cook it in like red wine as well, so it takes on the flavour and it changes colour. It's re- I'm not really into wine, but I would eat one of them. Yeah, they're really good. Oh my god, I'll give that a try. But yeah, talking um, of like Reading Fest, it's basically Reading weekend this week, which is why Reading's on my brain. Ah, uh, cool. Um, yeah, it would have been Reading weekend, and I would have gone for a day because I really wanted to see Stormzy. I really <laughs> wanted to see Stormzy. Um, but uh. Yeah, what was I going to say? Do you remember that Reading where I'm not going to use his name because I don't I don't want his name said on his podcast ever again. <laughs> but uh, when one of our cohort at the time came back on the Sunday, like pissed us off, and they said they decided to try and make it up to us, and they bought us loads of like really nice food, like salads and stuff. Do you not remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably the best meal I ever had at a festival. That was that was amazing. That was pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. about <laughs> about eight thousand um, what are they called tea light candles. Yeah, that just became a danger zone <laughs> once we got a bit more wasted and <laughs> we couldn't couldn't walk in a straight oh, line. Yeah, they were just everywhere, and everyone yeah. was just like stumbling over these little fucking tea light candles. Yeah, <laughs> uh, memories. Oh, anyway, right. Um, we right. keep derailing ourselves. Um, what did we get to? Oh, the box office was four hundred eleven million US dollars. There's actually some really interesting trivia around this uh, film. Well, a lot of stuff that I found interesting oh. anyway. So you'll get to listen to it. Um, there were approximately 100 Jaegers and 100 Kaiju designed for this film. They only actually used a handful of them in the film. But they designed like over 200 different things. Um, and the filmmakers held in a run up to sort of actually doing the production and stuff. Uh, they held weekly votes for their favourites to see which ones would actually be used in the film. Oh, okay. And I, I really, I really hope there's like a, a a book somewhere that collates these these designs because oh, I think that would be awesome, like some kind of art book or something. The art of Pacific Rim. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that I'd be way more interested in. Yeah. Because <laughs> shit looked good. I'm not. I, I can't deny. Oh god, that. yeah. Things looked really good. I've got I've got quite a big point about that actually. It ties into yeah. one of my other points as well. So I'm not going to get into it now because it will derail us again. And linear notes drink. Oh, um, drink. So <laughs> Travis Beecham, um, obviously one of the writers on the film, also wrote a graphic novel, which was released the same day as the film, called Tales from Year Zero, which is set 12 years before the film and acts as a prequel to it and basically sets up the story. Okay, so is it what? Right at the beginning, when he when he gives the, uh, what do they call it when he talks you through it? I keep uh, the, wanting to say overdub. 
What? Narration, yes. Narration, yeah. Fucking yeah. What a <laughs> um, yeah, when he gives the narration, is that basically what the comic book will be, like the setup? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's oh, the, can... the, the the from what I gather, the rise of the Jaegers. You know, and they're they're, they're sort of like first battles with um with the kaiju after that first. Have you one. read it? I haven't. No, I I only found out about it this morning. Um, oh, okay, fair enough. And it's been added to my list of of things I need to buy. But I've got a little bit carried away already this month with spending, so <laughs> it's getting pushed back to next month. <laughs> um, now, the kaiju in this film. They were obviously always intended to be full CG renders, yeah. But they were designed from the ground up so that they could, they would almost look as if they could be worn as a suit, in the tradition oh. of uh, sort of old school monster movies. Yeah. So all of them were designed in a way that could be done by a man in a suit with prosthetics, which I thought was a uh, interesting, although utterly pointless factoid. Because <laughs> they never intended they to do that. that. Did they do it, it just, because they just liked the design, the, the idea a, of like? I think it was a, it was a nod to the traditional monster films. Obviously, Kaiju yeah. um, comes, it, what does it mean? Uh, Strange Beast in Japanese. Uh, and it's how. As the film. Or, oh, yeah. As the, the film. That's, 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 that's the sort of like modern colloquialism for it. But the actual literal translation is Strange Beast. And it's generally oh, referred right. to like the big monsters from yesteryear in, in Japanese monster movies, which. yeah. yeah have quite clearly had a huge influence on this film. Oh, this this film is basically like, how would we defend the world against Godzilla, right? Oh, we'd yeah, get big, much. Yeah, we'd, yeah, we'd get big robots and then we'd do this. Okay, but we can't use Godzilla because that's licensed. So we'll just create our own. <laughs> we'll create our own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know about that. that was the, the costume one. The, the roars, the kaiju roars. Yeah. Um, contain samples of Beecham and del toro amongst really? the yeah amongst the there's layers of, of animal roars sped up and yeah, slowed yeah. down stretched and stuff um but they added their own voices in there uh shouting or screaming or whatever to add a sense of emotion uh, uh, what is it to add emotion and a sense of intelligence to the roars so i'm assuming i, I just got this mental image now of like del toro in a recording studio and they're like yeah. okay right give me confused monster Give me angry monsters. <laughs> We're back to doing roars into the microphone again. That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> I have to say, all of that was lost on me because I didn't get any kind of emotional or intelligence from the roars whatsoever. No, I just got angry roaring, angry yeah. dinosaur noises. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of these, those things that you're like, oh, no, yeah, that's good. Totally lost on me when I watched it because yeah. I didn't hear it at all. Although I suppose it would have been weird if you'd heard like fucking Del Toro's voice going, "I am, I am an angry monster." Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why he sounds. I like will monster. kill you all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now this is one I did notice actually. Um, you know the the computer voice that like talks about oh, yeah. it's crops up a couple of times in the film. The AI. I was listening. I was. I watched the film uh, night before last, and I was like, "That really sounds." I don't know if you'll get the reference. Um, really sounds like Glados from the Portal games, and I was right. like, "It's it's this um, the, the AI that oversees this uh, experimental facility sort of thing," uh, and it turns out it's hell bent on wiping out the human race. Um, right. But it's got this very distinctive voice, and it's voiced by Ellen McLean, and I was like, "Oh my god, that really sounds like Glados." I wonder if they did that on purpose. Now, the computer is voiced by Ellen McLean, who voiced GLaDOS. Oh, okay. 
and is intended to be GLaDOS from the Portal series. <laughs> Apparently, Del Toro uh, is a really big fan of the games and wanted the AI in the film to be GLaDOS. Um, so much so that they even approached the the game's makers, uh, Valve, yeah. uh, to, to discuss this. In the first trailer for Pacific Rim, I haven't gone back and watched it because I just haven't had time today. Um, but in the first trailer for this film, they used the exact same voice filter for the AI as they did in the games. Ah. And that was a deliberate choice by Del Toro because he wanted that nod there. Yeah. Then they modified the filter for the second trailer and the actual film. But he he has gone on record as saying, yes, that this is this universe's version of GLaDOS. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a connection I did not expect in this film. <laughs> a connection I don't understand, but I, I I appreciate that he was like, no, I really like this. So we're gonna we're gonna find a way to weave this into the tapestry of yeah. this film. Yeah, I really like I really like it when when sort of things like this cross out because obviously video games is a is a a big part of my life, um, and I like it when things like this that, that you kind of see as something entirely separate behind the scenes. There's this little connection, and you're like, oh wait, so him, this like really cool filmmaker, plays Portal. He plays video games too. He's just like us. Yeah. <laughs> They're people. Think, They're people too. <laughs> I think you'll find most people. Well, not most people are like each other. They're not. They're not very much like us, though. <laughs> no, that that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. When I say us, I'm talking about the gamer community rather than oh, okay. you know us specifically because we are special. Because <laughs> I am unique. There are few people <laughs> on this planet anywhere near as uh, as unique as me. You are. You are special. Yes. <laughs> um, now, Ron Perlman. Just, uh, I think I mentioned this later on in my notes, but I'm going to mention it again. I love Ron Perlman. He, I, he may, I may not like a lot of the films he's done, but yeah. just him, he, he, I think he's awesome. I would love to go out for a drink with Ron Perlman because I think he'd be good fun to hang out with. Okay. Um, that's not my trivia. That's not my trivia. No, it's just yeah. Ron Perlman kept the shoes that he wore in this film, the uh, the, the gold plated sabotons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he I kept them. Those shoes are terrible. They are fucking awful, and they can't yeah. have been comfortable because I mean, you got gold plated spikes on the front. No, how how does that even work? I mean, it's a, it's a great idea, it's ostentatious, and it works perfectly for his character. But yeah, they must have been really uncomfortable to wear and like awkward to walk around in. But yeah, hey Ron, you know, hit us up if you want to uh, go get a drink, talk about shoes, come on our podcast, whatever. You know, I've seen you on Twitter. We're, we're vibing the same, man. You should you should totally come on here. Um, anyway, the second delu- part delusional again. <laughs> you know, what's that? What's that? The Panic at the Disco song. Uh, shooting for the stock. High high hopes. Got to have high high hopes, Steve. Shooting I don't know. I only know like three or four Panic at the Disco songs. Oh no! It's all, it's Regardless all the new of album. the fact that I had to listen to Panic at the Disco almost on a on a loop for like <laughs> years. <laughs> I oh, you, don't want, come, you don't want to come for a drive in my car then because it's pretty much yeah. the same um but the second part of that trivia is that his wife later had them melted down to make a pair of high heels for herself <laughs> i'm just like what did, does maliciously or yeah i was thinking like is this, did, did he cheat on her and she's like wow well, with your fucking shoes i'm getting some high heels out of these i i don't know i literally this is the the, the only reference i found to this um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I assume it was consensual melting down of his shoes because yeah, don't put down so. your man's shoes. But if I come home and I was like, oh, look at, 
I'm just going to go and check my props. I'm just going to go look at the like <laughs> the back catalog of my of my life in prop form. Oh no, where are my god awful ostentatious shoes gone? <laughs> oh look, there's a new pair of there's a new pair of gold heels sitting in her cupboard. <laughs> I wonder where they came from. Exactly. Um, the time frame for the film uh, is 2013. Which is when they when the kaiju first appears. I think yeah. it's actually said in the narration at the beginning. Twenty twenty, when they have the Anchorage battle, which sort of sets the stage for this. And obviously twenty twenty five is the final battle, which you can yeah. work out because they mention it was five years ago. Hmm, five years ago. How long have you been missing? Five years. It's mentioned yeah. about a million times in the film. And actually I don't know why I included that trivia note on there. <laughs> because I'm oh, reading it out on building to something. No, no, I was just thinking, oh, I'll put that in because I know we've discussed time frames of things before. And this time in the notes, it explicitly says this is the time when these happened. But it also says it in the film. So I don't know why I included that. No, but moving swiftly considering, on. Considering that he says right at the beginning in the, in the narration until this time when everything changed. Kind of prophetic that it, that is that moment where everything changed. Yeah. It's set in 2020. It's there's there's so many things like that in yeah. in movies at the moment that are just like yeah 2020 is going to be awful don't go to 2020 yeah. everything changed in 2020 and we're just like wow Hollywood yeah. what do you know that we don't yeah I think they've got a portal to another dimension and they the can people uh, where they can see the future it's the Illuminati lizard people they're running Hollywood oh no um, not them. <laughs> And the, like, with their calm down, Alex Jones. The back of, like, calm Peter down, Alex Jones. <laughs> well, sorry, I was putting my tinfoil hat on. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> Is that um, a um, anti-vaxxer t-shirt you're wearing? <laughs> no, no, my t-shirt today, proudly sponsored by Razor Storm. We're not sponsored by Razor Storm. I just really like their t-shirts and want to get sponsorship from them. Um, I'm a rebel. Is that QWERTY or T-Fury? Yeah, QWERTY. Uh, and it was one of them. <laughs> I'm repping my rebel ways today. Um, I only ha- I have a- I've only found a couple of alternate casting choices. Um, one of which would have been absolutely awful. The other one I could see working, probably because okay. he's a bit of a he's a, he's a bit of a heartthrob, and everyone just would have melted. The first one, which would have been awful, uh, is that Tom Cruise was considered for the Marshall Pentecost role. No. Yeah, exactly. No, it no. just would not have worked. He's too short. Yeah. He's At too least... short. He's too smug. He's just a prick. Yeah. Idris yeah, has got this. A little bit there, but... <laughs> I love Idris. I don't think this this film really did, did him justice, to be fair. I think he's a far better actor than he shows in this film. But <laughs> he's got like he's got like a bit of stature to him. He can be intimidating. You can get that vibe that he is leading the resistance yeah yeah if it was tom cruise i just yeah i would never have bought that no exactly that, that i'm really glad they they passed that one over now the other one i could see working although it would have been a bit of a he'd have had they'd have had to dirty him up a bit make him look rough is um henry cavill for the role of beckett yeah i would have yeah i'd buy that yeah a little bit a little yeah. bit of stubble you know greasy yeah. hair i think that would have that would have worked i mean that would be an instant win if you announced it right now online because everyone loves Henry Cavill because it turns out not only is he a good actor, ridiculously good looking, a really, really nice guy, but he also 
builds his own gaming rigs and paints and plays Warhammer 40,000. It's like, be still my beating heart. <laughs> I saw that when, um, yeah, I saw it when it, when it was like blowing up on the internet. It's like, oh, Henry Cavill did this. And I was just like, yeah. cool. Doesn't mean anything to me, but cool. <laughs> like it, just, Talking to, to Tom Cruise, though. It's like me. It's like, oh. Talking, it's like you yeah. getting an angry email from a woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you had three wanks in the space of 20 minutes and then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then worried about what the email said. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking to Tom Cruise, though, do you know, Tom, no one else is allowed to run in the same scene as Tom Cruise in a film. It's contractually, I've, I don't know, I read this, this article a few weeks ago and it's just popped back in my head. No he has it in contracts for films that no one is allowed to run in the same scene as him. And this girl was doing, I think she was doing like one of the 87 mission impossible films that he's done. <laughs> and, um, she was like, I think it, this scene would work better. She had to ask him, ask his permission and get him to say, okay, yeah, you can run <laughs> in the scene with me. But yeah, no one's allowed to run. I don't, I can't, I don't have any insight further than that. As I mean, to it why. It doesn't surprise me. When no. uh, when him and Nicole Kidman split up like years ago, things started coming out, and it turned out that he'd banned her from wearing high heels when they were out together. Oh yeah, but that's obviously Nicole Kidman is yeah, <laughs> and she's quite statuesque. So sort of, if she'd had high heels as well, it would look like she was taking her son out to the to the films. <laughs> My uh, the the thing I don't like about Tom Cruise the most is that he got a shot at Katie Holmes and he fucked it up. <laughs> That's the thing, not the fact that he's part of a really bizarre cult. No, because I quite like cults, as you can tell from the <sighs> space. Do, yeah. No, it's the it's the fact that growing up, I had I had a couple of crushes. One was, uh, as you, everybody knows, Addison Hannigan, when <laughs> I wrote some herself. The other was uh, Katie Holmes, Joey Potter, and uh, fucking smug <laughs> little Tom Cruise got a bit of Katie Holmes, and then fucked it up. <laughs> how he fucked up with such a goddess I don't know but yeah somehow <laughs> well, you can't have a goddess and a diva in the same relationship it doesn't work no. really <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my, my last trivia notes um, this one I thought this was really cool actually um, and something that I think a lot of films could benefit from uh, the, the, the whole cockpit set that you see the the rangers piloting yeah. the, the mechs in um it was built life-size on a soundstage at pinewood studios okay. it was four stories tall weighed about 20 tons and the whole thing was mounted on a giant um hydraulic gimbal so that it could be rotated vibrated dropped let basically the whole thing so that when they were doing these things with the, the you know the 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 Jaeger getting smashed across the bay sort of thing. Yeah. They they weren't doing sort of the old Star Trek thing where they grab hold of a just desk and wobble it. side to side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't just shaking the camera. The whole thing was actually moving. Um yeah. and they redressed that set for each of the different cockpits. You know, obviously oh, okay. where you see like the Russians and the Chinese and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the Aussies. They have their things and they redressed the whole that set for each of those scenes so that they could recreate them properly. Um and they used a similar method for the scenes with young Mako when she's being chased uh, through what I think, what I think is supposed to be Tokyo, um, yeah. which is the little girl being chased by the Kaiju. Yeah, yeah. That whole set was mounted on hydraulics 
so that every time the kaiju steps, yeah, again, it was a physical thing. The whole thing actually vibrated in sync with the steps. Jesus. Uh, I mean, it must have been horrendously like complicated and expensive to do. Yeah. But those sorts of physical effects, you can't simulate those properly you know, no, in a live action unless you do something like that. And that must have been was, like terrifying for the actors. I was kind of thinking like, yeah, 200 million is a big budget. And then I was sitting there thinking about the film and I was like, there's not there's a lot of cg there's a lot of like mm. good good beautiful looking cg but aside yeah. from that i'm not really sure where else they spent the money but now you've just explained it to me giant hydraulic rigs yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clearly <laughs> yeah. it's expensive to make these big films expensive yeah well there you go that is my trivia for pacific rim so uh yeah onto my linear notes go <laughs> It's funny because uh, I made a note in my little tiny book club notebook uh, about yeah. the little language lesson at the beginning of The Hobbit. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, my God, you've actually got like a fucking chapter here on, on the languages used and how to pronounce things and spellings and stuff. And then you get the same thing, but massively super condensed at the beginning of this film, where it's yeah, just like, you Japanese, monster, Jaeger, German, hunter. It's like, oh, nice little... Uh, language lesson there which i seem to have missed the first time around because i remember thinking why do they call them jaegers yeah are just are they just fans of jaegermeister they all go into jaeger town yeah some shots and these things gonna be the point of the night where it goes from happy and fun to just scene missing <laughs> yeah scene missing <laughs> so many nights i was out having a really good time and my brother would go to the bar and come back with like a tray of jaeger bombs Your and that was the point that i that. was like yeah, shit's going to get out of hand from this point onwards. There was only him and one other person who would would do that. And you could tell the way the night would be sort of like, yeah, this is great. This is great. And then either like it would be your brother or Martin would rock up with with yeah. Jaegers. And you'd just be like, I wasn't going to go to Jaeger town. Yeah. But now I am because you bought my ticket. <laughs> yeah. And regardless of how many times I say no. You're not going to take no for an answer. You won't so. take no for an answer. They never did. No. So suddenly, <laughs> so suddenly, I'm three Jager bombs deep, and I'm running around wherever we are <laughs> like a headless chicken because of all the fucking Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> tonight's going to go well. Oh God! I remember when I discovered um, Jager bombs with Red Bull because I used to like go out and I'd order like a Red Bull or whatever their equivalent was. Yeah. At some, you know, halfway through the night, once I started getting into my energy drinks, and then I was like, hang on a minute. You mean I can get an energy drink and alcohol? What? And I can look like an ass hat while I'm doing it? Get <laughs> me up. Give me two of those motherfuckers. Crazy, crazy nights. I'm not do it anymore because it would probably kill me. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I had a Jager bomb now, it would be game over. Although, I, I might, suck I might, the lightweight these days. I might have to get a bottle of Jager for the party just for old time's sake. I'm going to, if I survive the war long enough to come to your party, I'm going to have to pop a bottle of champagne, I feel. <laughs> We've got some champagne downstairs, actually. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. <laughs> no, nobody cares about the contents of my booze cupboard. Um, although I think that's how you know when you've reached a certain degree of, of adulthood. This has nothing to do with the film, BT Dubs. So if you're <laughs> listening to this for film review, you can skip forward for the next like couple of minutes. Um, because... You reach a certain level of adulthood where you have a booze cupboard that's not just full when you've just bought the booze. 
Yeah. I have a cupboard down there now, and if I drank everything in that, um, well, I couldn't physically drink everything that's in that cupboard in one sitting. And if I did, I would die in the attempt. And it's like, I'm that level of adult where I can have alcohol there, and I don't have to drink it all at once. (laughs) I am in my old house. I had a, uh, we had like a, an extra fridge in the shed and that become the alcohol fridge <laughs> because like I drink probably like four or five times a year, but people would constantly be buying me alcohol for birthday. Right. You know, you get to the point where like no one really understands you when they're like, Oh, it's Steve's <laughs> birthday. We've got to buy him a present. Um, I know he drinks Jack. So I'd get about four bottles Jack of Jack Daniels. for my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the girl, if my friend wasn't drinking the Jack, then it would just sit in his fridge. So when I moved out, I moved out about 30 bottles of beer, four bottles of Jack, all <laughs> kinds of bottles of cider, so much alcohol crammed in this big stand-up fridge. And I was just like, it really is a waste because I'm never going to drink it. <laughs> but that's why I like, Every time you had a house party, I could turn up with a bottle of Jack because I had so many. I did wonder that because we were saying it the other, the other the other month that like uh, the last time you came around and you just rocked up with this bottle of Jack Daniels. And it wasn't until like the day after we was like, well, he doesn't really drink. But when he does come around, he, he can like those bottles are never at the same point when he comes back as they were when he left. You know, there'll be like the dregs left in the bottle and he comes back to the next one like a month later and it's it's full up again. We were like. He's just going out and buying a bottle of Jack every time. <laughs> no, I was just finally came through like seven years of birthday and Christmas presents. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I've I've kind of hit that point now. People, um, I've had it the last couple of birthdays since I since it became known that I drink rum. Yeah, everyone buys me different bottles of rum for my birthday. It's great because then it sees me through like the year basically. Because <laughs> I, just... I drink far more often than four to five times a year. I just, it's just when I, like, I'm always grateful. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that the people were like, I want to get him a present. Mm. And I'm going to get him something I know he likes rather than take a chance on something. But at the same time, I'm like, there are other things I like. I'd much prefer a comic book. I'd get a, <laughs> a lot more use out of a comic book than a bottle of Jack that's going to sit there for about eight months until Rooney has a pie. <laughs> so there you go, um, Jack Daniels. You've been missing a trick here. You need to get into the comic book game. Yeah. And uh, Jack Daniels, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a comic book I'd read. <laughs> the history of Jack Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Let's swerve back on course to, uh, to Pacific Rim rather than talking oh, about yeah. our alcohol. Um, I was going to say alcohol problems, but we don't really have one, which is why we have so much alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh, you just brought a joke back. Oh, I'd I'd go into it, but you're not going to appreciate it, and it's convoluted. So move on. Awesome. I mean, that, I'm, I'm sure everybody appreciated hearing that. <laughs> oh, Lou. I know Lou would get it. <laughs> well, EJ Steves. The... I don't have a problem with drugs. In fact, I'll, I'll take anything. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes in order of people just do nothing uh shout out <laughs> referencing other but podcasts again shout out lou and raj because they made me watch it lou and raj have got a lot to answer for <laughs> they have yeah mm. <laughs> um uh, where am i oh yeah right jesus i'm only on the second note and we're like an hour in already um <laughs> it took six days 
uh, it says in the in the the opening montage, six oh, days yeah. to kill that first kaiju. Yeah. Um, which first of all, that's insane. Um, and I just wanted to shout out the governments in this film, at least for this bit, because unlike most movie film, movie movie governments, they didn't just go, huh? The tanks didn't work. The missiles didn't work. Luke it. Luke it. Yeah. Exactly. They actually like carried on killing it like properly rather than just you know nuking themselves, which is ridiculous. It took out three three West Coast cities. I don't know how much of the West Coast is left. You might as well. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, you can rebuild after the building's been smashed down. If you drop a nuke on it, you can't. I'm looking at you, Cloverfield, because we all know what you did. Oh, I've got that to the list. Cloverfield. Oh, I forgot about Cloverfield. Oh, I, love I have a film. love-hate relationship with that film. Okay. So, Maybe I won't no, no, put, put it on because the notes will either be me like espousing its virtues or or doing what you're doing right now and trying to say positive about something you didn't enjoy. <laughs> 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 a bit, to be fair, I've done that to you often enough that it's yeah. it's only fair. <laughs> um, even when it's saving the world from giant monsters by fighting them in giant robots, humanity manages to screw it up. Yeah, it's like you literally just had to keep punching the giant yeah. monsters, and and it would have been fine. But you didn't because you thought you were rock stars or something. And yeah, you tried to show off, and then your arm got ripped off. And look at you now. I just think like you've they all they're all equipped with weapons, but they all just want to go for a fist fight first. <laughs> Surely the fist fight should be the last, the last thing you do. You should just. Like use all your weapons, and if none of them work, yeah, we'll get into a bit of a slugfest. But yeah. they all just go in there like, nah, fuck all the weapons. Fuck I'm that. gonna punch go this. Thump it. Yeah, it's in the like, head. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, uh, what is it? Gypsy Danger has plasma cannons built into either hand. Yeah, and it's a like sword. it has the swords, as it's revealed later on in the film. It has swords on both wrists. Yeah, and yet the first thing it does is runs in and punches it. Yeah. No, because if you're close enough to punch it, it's close enough to punch you. If you killed it from halfway across the bay with your plasma cannon, game over. Yeah, what's the um, what's the Aussie Jaeger called? Oh. Is that striker? Uh, yeah, something striker. Yeah, I did it's look up this morning. Like I can't remember his name. Six cannons in its chest. <laughs> yeah, in its chest. <laughs> it could stand. It could walk to hundred yards away. And as we see in Sydney. The six cannons will kill the kaiju. It doesn't yeah. even have to get within striking distance. Yeah. <laughs> first things first, we're going to have a fist fight, and then if that doesn't work, we'll shoot it. It's like, yeah, that's exactly. his, that's a special move. It's like, it, it, it's almost like a like a fighting game or something. They have to build up their, their power <laughs> meter up by doing the basic attacks, and they're like, ah, oh, right, I can use my special attack. And then they rip out the, the, the chest cannon or the plasma guns, and it's just like... Why didn't you just do that to begin with? Because yeah. you go in, you'd launch all those missiles into its face, and then it'd be like, uh, and then you go in and just finish it. You curb stomp it. We all yeah. know how effective that is. Yeah, we've all seen American History X. We all know. Oh, I was thinking Gears of War, but yeah, that works yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> um, you mentioned that they think they're rock stars. Mm. And they say at the beginning that the Rangers turn into rock stars. Yeah. So if they're rock stars, why are they living? in like privates why are they sharing bunk beds and living in some see i thought that 
I was like, well, they're on talk shows and they're 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 yeah. living living at large. You know, they're they're Surely celebrities. They'd be like too busy getting groupie action to be no. sleeping in bunk beds. I was thinking about it. It's implied that basically every country has built at least one Jaeger, so there are dozens of them. So you'd have, I imagine, one crew on call. So in that scene we uh, see okay. with, with Gypsy Danger's crew, they're they're the guys that are on standby. Like you do in in a in a you know air bases, you have. So it's kind of like standby sort of thing. So it's kind of like the fire brigade. There, there are many firefighters, but only some yeah. of them are on shift, and they yeah, they'd rotate because you couldn't have the same crew going out every every time to fight kaiju's because they'd yeah. get burned out and just knackered. Okay, um, so that's just where they stay when they're on shift. Yeah, that, that well, that's what I assume. I, I don't think it's ever been directly addressed, but that's what I would assume based on what I know of other armed armed services. Can you um, can you tell me the timeline of when this come out? in correlation to when Donald Trump announced the wall. <laughs> uh, this was 2013, wasn't it? When did uh, when did President uh, Watson get elected? This, this well, was he's, he's in his fourth, fourth year now because they're coming up for election, which means he was probably it's 2016, campaigning. 2015. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. Oh, okay, so. Well, now we know where he got the idea from. Yeah, we do know where he got the idea from. <laughs> he was I, actually... I know. We'll keep him out. We'll just build a giant wall. <laughs> I, uh, he must have only watched like the first 20 minutes of the film yeah. or something. <laughs> I've actually got a note further on. It's just like, hey, let's just build a big wall. Like, seriously, who would think something like that would actually work? Because yeah. it's it's pointed out that it took the kaiju at Sydney an hour to break through yeah. the wall, the unbreakable wall of life. I mean, how did they think that was going to work? Did I they think the kaiju know. would just spend 10 minutes tapping on the wall and go, well, I guess I'll go back home then. Yeah. Just, just fuck off. They're not, <laughs> they're not Mongolian. A wall's not going to stop them. <laughs> exactly. It's like we see these things going toe to toe with giant mecha. You know, yeah. mecha who are shooting with plasma cannons and chest missiles and fuck knows what else. Um, who have 40 diesel. Yeah, it's like, you know, they can get punched by a giant robot which has a rocket fist and 40 diesel motors per muscle strand. Because stuff like that gets dropped in every so often. Um, this, is, this is one of my fundamental problems with this film is when they have the um, when they shut down the Jaeger program yeah. and they're like, the wall seems like it's going to be far more effective. And I'm just like, <laughs> really? I, really? I'm, I'm struggling to buy into this film now because it, it it's almost it's got like a Watchmen ending. The Watchmen ending plays out at the beginning. It's like the whole world, all the governments come together because there's a bigger threat. Yeah. A bigger threat to humanity. And they all come together and they all seem like smart people. And they're like, we need to be able to fight them. We need to build these Jaegers. Yeah. And then at some point, they all take a remedial pill and go backwards <laughs> and think that a wall is a better idea than these big, huge fighting things that have been successful all this time. Based on what? Based on two people got a bit cocky and got a bit complacent and, got, <laughs> yeah. and one of them died. Yeah. See, I was okay, like this. in World War One when you send the troops over the top and it's like, oh no, they died this time. Yeah, we we we, we got a few casualties. We're just gonna uh we're just gonna build a wall around France and not let them in. <laughs> I mean to be fair, that would have been more effective than just keep sending <laughs> yeah. teenagers over the top into machine gun nests. But that was not a good analogy. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> I was giving this some thought the other night because as you say, it does, it becomes really questionable. And I was thinking about it. And then a, a very 
a, a very immediate, very obvious parallel struck me. Now, the first Kaiju attacks in 2013, we see the whole Alaska fight, uh, the Anchorage fight takes yeah. place in 2020. So that's seven years of this. Seven years of pumping money and, and resources into the Jaeger program. Um, people, people get used to it. Administrations change. So there would have been elections. There would have yeah, been, yeah, you yeah. know, so the people that had, had come up with this idea and said, this is great. They are no longer in power. It's different people who have just inherited this burden from their predecessors. Um, and just regular everyday people. You know, when when they see, you know, the budget's been cut here because we need to put more money into repairing this Jaeger because it was arm torn off or it got shot or something. Or like when they shut down all the community centers because they wanted to go to war in Iraq. Yes. And then now they complain about street crime because the kids have got nothing better to do. Exactly. Fucking dickheads. Yeah. They, okay, the, but, yeah. The governments inherit this burden. They don't really want it. They want the money to play with for their own little schemes. And people get sick of it. And well, what else? What other possible parallel could we draw bit of uh, between governments losing money, people getting sick of it, um, after they all pulled together in the initial uh, the initial months of the disaster? I mean, I don't want to mention coronavirus, but I'm going to mention coronavirus because there's a very striking parallel, obviously on the small scale, because we're not fighting giant monsters with giant robots. But it almost be easier if we were, because at least we could see them. At least you could see them. And people, no, because you'd still get people going on Facebook going, do your research, sheeple. I've never seen one of these giant robots. It's all a hoax. They're holograms. The government Bill Gates is creating them just so we Bill can get you with the vaccine. <laughs> do you know Bill Gates' memes made it onto the fucking six o'clock news last night? Did they? <laughs> they, did, they did a good, good, chunky segment on how... There's always been conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers online. But now the use of uh, memes, especially Bill Gates memes, have made themselves into other public forums. And people were starting to um, believe them because they're in their like, parent troll um, groups and they're in this social group and that social group. And yeah, it's the, uh, the anti-vaxxers that you love so much. They're oh, yeah. this word fan. They're getting that word right out there at the moment, and there's a lot of people that believe them. I just there, there should be an IQ test before you're allowed to go online unsupervised. Everyone <laughs> should have fucking net nanny installed unless they can prove that they're not a cretin. Twitter has gone from 87 billion users down to four in the space <laughs> of one day because <laughs> only four of them passed the intelligence test. <laughs> Uh, right. Anyway, no, we're not going into that because that will that will spend the next three hours just with me ranting and raving about idiots online. Um, and I do enough of that on my social media because if you guys want to check that out, then find me on social media and you can get it firsthand. <laughs> he goes by the name Coronavirus. <laughs> goes to show you the kind of level that we're that we're working with here, right? Look, everyone else was changing their names, and I was like, "Come on, this is begging. To, this is just screaming out to be done." Got to stay topical, man. Got to get those retweets. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, when you die, all the retweets are going to... Uh, they're, they're great legacy to leave on. They're my legacy. <laughs> my social media content is my legacy. <laughs> going to be enshrined. <laughs> In a week where people were celebrating 57 years since Martin Luther King 
gave his iconic I have a dream speech. <laughs> anyway, back on back back online? No, we're coming offline because we keep talking about stuff online. Uh, we get back to the notes because I've still got fucking loads of them. And we're Sydney. over an hour in. Sydney. Right. It Sydney. broke what? my heart when the kaiju broke the wall and got into Sydney. Sydney <laughs> is such a beautiful place. And uh, yeah, that's all I really wanted to say was as one of my notes. Sydney. <laughs> I think they missed the trick. They should have had the opera house turn into a into a Jaeger, just like yeah. Transformer style. Transformer <laughs> style. <laughs> opera house, go. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Or have it like open up, and that's where the where Striker comes out of, just like launches oh, out, yes. like fucking Thunderbirds. <laughs> that is a beautiful that that building is even more beautiful in person. But yeah, if it could open up, and that's where <laughs> a massive, massive Jaeger would just fly out of, like, I'm here to save Sydney. That would have been so good. Good aim, mate. <laughs> loudspeakers built into the Jaeger, so you'd be like, good aim, mate. Listen here, you flaming galah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Bruce, what have you down to my wall, mate? <laughs> <laughs> he should have he should have the voice of Alf as well. Alf, <laughs> I'm every surname but Alf from home and away. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh, oh gosh, Stroop, you flaming galah. Stroop, you flaming galah. Stone me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go down the oh. surf shack. Surf shack, get the boat out. <laughs> I've been there, you know, I've been to the surf shack. Yeah, I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you kind of jealous? Yeah, that that beach is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in my entire life. <laughs> oh, summer that beach. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm I'm almost gonna let you off for your terrible interviewer and <laughs> that angry email I've got. <laughs> for that joke, that was... I did. Uh, I have a note here somewhere about the about the accents because the the Australian accents in this film are fucking awful. Yeah, but then so is Beckett's. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean Idris Elba, he just does Idris Elba. He's doing a marvelous uh, Idris Elba impression because yeah, yeah, that's him. Um, Mako, her accent, yeah, no problem with that. But the Australians and Beckett, their accents are just ridiculous. I don't know what it is. There's something not right. It's like it's like they're doing an impression of an accent that was only only been described to them, like they've never actually heard it. <laughs> Which is bizarre because I'm fairly certain that the younger Australian, whose name I can't remember, is actually Australian and was in like fucking Neighbours or Home and Away or something. I thought I recognised him. Yeah. yeah. He's been in a soap or something before. And I was just like, but why is your accent so fucking awful? <laughs> not that I watch Home and Away. Not that I didn't. I watched. I didn't. I, I definitely, definitely did not uh-huh. see 99% of Home and Away episodes for a stretch of about two years. <laughs> While I ate my dinner, I absolutely yeah, didn't do that. that. During I the nineties, home and away and fucking neighbours. That <laughs> no, was my that was my dinner TV. I watched neighbours during the nineties. I'm talking about in the last five years. Oh God, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonder duress. I absolutely did not enjoy watching girls in bikinis. <laughs> what evs, mate? What evs? The Shatterdome. <laughs> when you first Shatterdome or Shatterdome? Yeah. Shatterdome, yeah. Yeah, when you first go in the Shatterdome, I got massive Yavin 4 vibes. There's just... Oh, yeah. Bare people walking around aimlessly. 
<laughs> every shot is just people got walking here, walking groups of people just walking all over the place. And I'm like, wow, this reminds me of Yavin 4 so much. There's a there's an interesting note actually on uh, the the Shatterdome sets. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff there, like the the tools and the buildings and that, they were actual tools. They weren't sets. Well, they weren't set pieces and stuff. They were actually taken from like building sites and and oh, plant okay. fire places. Um, and a lot of the tools there that they were using, they were actually using those tools to do bits. Uh, again, for the practical effects and the realism sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They actually just had like jackhammers and pressure the uh, what do you call them like hydraulic wrenches and stuff like yeah, that yeah. and yeah just to actually make it that much more realistic which another small to, thing but they've gone to a lot of effort to like dress the sets realistically and to bring this voice in from this computer game and this and that i think they probably could have you know spent some of that time working on the script because <laughs> there are some there are some moments in this film that are just fucking tired fam <laughs> oh just yeah i think so overused it's like when oh, i'm gonna skip towards the end when um idris comes in and he does the whole i have never seen two people win a fight like that yeah so tired there's another one i just had it in my head just now oh yeah when he first meets um beckett first meets mori and she says something in japanese and then he replies <laughs> i'm like oh really you're using oh. that there's a really They've done interesting... that a billion times before. There's a really interesting story behind that, actually. Okay. Um, that's that's an artifact left over from the one of the original drafts of the script. In the original draft, um, Beckett could only speak English. Yeah. Uh, Mako could only speak Japanese. Yes. Okay. And they they couldn't communicate. And it was only after basically the the final battle scene um, through the the the, the drift. They yeah. begin to understand each other. They're still both speaking in their respective languages, but they can understand each other because they've, they've visually, like yeah, they've it. done some. They can see what they're trying to say. Yeah, um, and that was going to be a thing right the way through. It was the fact that those two had this this compatibility, but they couldn't actually talk to each other. So that um, would have been written far out because more it, interesting. Well, it was written out because got. it overcomplicated the script apparently, um, oh. and because you can imagine it would be difficult to have a lot of their connect, a lot of their moments where they connect with one another if they couldn't actually talk to each other, it'd all be done through yeah. glances and moodiness, which this film doesn't really go in for. I it's, think uh, my overall take on this film is I'm not against it. I actually really quite enjoyed certain bits of it. Hmm. It's just other bits I found really kind of predictable. And then there's them, little, them, them scenes that I talked about where I'm like, that dead. That is so this, fucking tired. This, this and, whole film, it's... it. Uh, I think the, the way I look at it is it's is it's Del Toro doing Del Toro yeah. on the classic action adventure film. He's oh not, yeah. It's not got a clever subplot. It doesn't try to be clever. It's oh, a very no. simple thing, and it's just Del Toro's done his usual thing. There's there's layers if you want to go. To, you know, like the 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 uh, ridiculous set design and the the hydraulics on everything and stuff like that. Um, it's it's just a, a solid sci-fi feature film. It yeah. doesn't try to do anything clever, which is one of the no, reasons I, think... I like it, because you don't have to worry about space Nazis and, and you know, subtle I went... messages. <laughs> I went to see Inception at the cinema recently. Don't worry, I wore a mask the whole time. Um, yeah, and I just, the whole time I was sitting there thinking, I'd really love to see Christopher Nolan have a go at this. 
<laughs> I'd really love to see the Christopher Nolan version of this because I think that would really appeal to me. Mm. It'd probably be about eight hours long, though. Yeah, but at least it would be like original. <laughs> anyway. Oh, getting back to one quick, one quick note. Yeah. Max the dog. Fucking adorable. <laughs> See, I don't like those dogs. They just look really uh, stupid. <laughs> he, he's adorable. Like when he when he was walking along with his tongue hanging out. Oh, yeah, I they just, are. I just, they are, it, it's a dog, so yes, it is adorable. But I'm going to yeah. cover my dog's ears. I just wanted to cuddle him and like, you know, just like <laughs> let him lick my face. You guys can't see this, but he literally did just cover Poppy's ears then, so she didn't hear him saying that. <laughs> she gets very jealous. Like, if I'm out walking her and another dog comes near me, she's like, no, he's mine. And she comes over and she starts getting all, like, aggy. Uh, Lando does that, but you saw that the other week when we, yeah. when we bumped into each other walking the dogs. Um, right. I haven't mentioned it in a little while. Fashion? We've gone a, we've gone a few episodes without really discussing it. Wow, but, we're back to fashion. Yeah, because... This, I this, can't. This... Please, please do not say... Oh, what's his name? Hannibal Chow? Oh, God, no. He's ghastly. No. Um, he's at the... Oh, God, you derailed me again. What's I saying? Yeah, right. This features two of, two of my favourite items of clothing. Flight suits, because, you know, flight suits are awesome, as, as we've gone into several times before. And... Um, well-worn leather jackets. I, I'm a big fan of a worn leather jacket and the Gypsy Danger Pilot jackets. You, they're only on screen for like a few seconds yeah. right at the beginning when the two brothers are walking off to, to fight the Anchorage Kaiju. Um, they are awesome. I want one of those. I'd look ridiculous in it because, you know, US-style bomber jackets generally look ridiculous on anyone who isn't American. But, yeah, they are beautiful. And there's a couple of instances where you see people they're wearing like the, the, the matching jackets for the pilots and stuff like that. And I'm like, <sighs> you had yeah. so many leather jackets back in the day. I did used to have an awful lot of them. Yes. Back in the day when that whole kind of the strokes, libertines thing happened and like leather jackets were everywhere. Yeah. You had, you had a you had a, a constant stream of I had, second hand leather three... jackets. Three strokes slash libertines yeah. style leather jackets, two in brown and one in black, and I had a, a really nice biker jacket, like proper classic yeah. rocker style biker jacket, which I got rid of. And I'm really annoyed because it was really big on me at the time. So now it would have fitted me perfectly. Yeah, it would have been great, wouldn't it? And now I've been trying to find. I tried. I tried to find one the other month. I was looking for one of those, and I was like, unless I want to pay upwards of two hundred quid for one, I'm just like. <sighs> And we just that. need to do what we used to do. Just go on a train, go to Camden. Most of that isn't there anymore. After the fire down in the horse factory, none of that's there. Oh, really? All them that second-hand whole, shops? Down there, yeah, all those second-hand shops. Yep, they burned down oh. uh, five, six years ago. There was a big oh, fire us. there. Basically, the whole place went up in smoke. I've got so many... Well, I've got lots of good memories of like hanging out in Camden shopping and a few <laughs> horrible memories of like going shopping with you and Dal when you were both really skinny. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was quite chunky, and that, how you two could fit into anything you tried on, and I was just like, "It's never going to fit me." Yeah, never going to fit. Now me. I still love those those sorts of clothes, and I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah no, it's not going to happen, is it?" <laughs> Whereas I'm, I am becoming quite like skinny enough to pull that off now. So 
it, it upsets me that I can't roll the clock back to like 2003 <laughs> <laughs> and go to Camden and buy loads of like red vintage clothes. Yeah. Well, the vintage clothes. I'm not sure they go well with my with my new era caps and my <laughs> my fresh night trainers, but you know, probably not. Right. <laughs> um, uh, I also yeah. wanted to. Uh, I got a note here below the, the the jacket one about the the pilot armor. I mean, first off the bat, it it seems utterly pointless. Yeah. You know, they all still get battered, they get broken arms, and and they they just get absolutely mullered despite the fact they're wearing this armor. Um, so I think it's more just for show than anything else. Yeah. What were the spine things about? I'm Did assuming ever... that's that's part of the control thing because they synchronize with the the. The, the Jaeger and each other. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's all the, the central nervous system runs down through the spinal column. So I'm assuming it was something to do yeah, with that. They they did spend like they kind of made it a a point of the scene was bringing it in, strapping it to the back, and then they never really touched on it again in the in the whole film. No, I mean, you see think, them, but they never they never explain what it is. Well, I think at, it's at least just I a bit more. Guess. It's more clever set dressing. I think just oh, to okay. sort of show, look at this, all this technology, isn't it cool? Um, but the, the, the pilot what can happen if we all come together if we all come together and work together we could have giant robots come on people work it sort it out giant mecha yeah. um it's the, the arm is kind of it's almost like a it, it draws on lots of different influences I, i've 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 highlighted some of them that i spotted um it makes this almost kind of generic sci-fi armor which i might actually have to make one day because it looks really cool um i can see elements in there from iron man uh, the Mass, Mass yeah. Effects N7 armor, uh, Destiny, and the new Robocop. There's, uh, there's. If you look at, especially when it's in uh, the black carbon fiber, because yeah. first it's all done in the white, and then the the, the second time around it's now black carbon fiber. Yeah. And that's like that could be the love child between Iron Man and the new Robocop. <laughs> it looks very sleek. That, but... I watched that new Robocop film once, and I yeah, so have I. Yeah. It was bad. It was, it was okay, but yeah. it yeah, it wasn't really Robocop. No. Um, here's another reference you won't get, but I keep I keep harking back to Neon Genesis Evangelion. I noticed I mentioned it a couple of times in the Akira episode. I've also mentioned it a couple of times in uh in something else I mentioned it. Um, but the head drop sequence where they load into Gypsy Danger's head. Oh yeah. And it drops down the chute. That's kind of that, that bit where it's actually traveling down the, the thing is almost the opposite of what the the Evas, the Evangelions do in Neon Genesis. They launch upwards and the, almost shot for shot. It's exactly the same, except obviously they launch up and they're already a complete robot um, rather than like dropping down to complete it. And I, I assume that there was a lot of stuff in this film that was like little nods to anime and different things like that, as you're mm. obviously explaining. And a lot of it was lost on me, which is probably why I didn't enjoy the film as much as you do. Yeah, it could be actually. Because I know uh, Del Toro has said, you know, they, they tried very hard when they were making this film to avoid any direct references yeah. to other giant mecha or giant monster um, franchises. There's a couple of bits, where, but I think it's kind of unavoidable because a lot of what they were doing has been being done by the, the giant mecha and the giant monster uh, genres for the last yeah. what, I mean, 50, 60 years. So that opening scene where the the kaiju takes out the Golden Gate Bridge, it's yeah. just like instant Godzilla vibes. So oh, it, yeah. 
there's no way you're going to avoid no. like bringing that up. When they've, they've been, that media's been producing stuff for yeah. like 50 or 60 years. It's it's impossible to uh, to avoid it totally. Did you, did you ever see Godzilla King of the Monsters? I don't think so, no. I was really upset. Like, I saw the trailer at the cinema and I was like... Was that the most recent one? Yeah, I was like, yeah. I need to see this film. It, the trailer looks so good. This is going to be mind-bendingly good. <laughs> Missed it at the cinema because I just couldn't get there. Waited and waited and waited it finally came on Sky, and I watched it, and I was like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Another like, modern Godzilla film. <laughs> so much, I had so much expectations for this film, and it's just a giant letdown. Even though, what's his name? There's, a, there's an actor in it that I really like. He was in he was in this show called that you've never seen called Friday Night Lights. Jim will know. If Jim ever listens to this, he'll know who I'm talking about. I think his name's Chandler Riggs. I think that's his name. But yeah, he's in that. He's in Wolf of Wall Street as well. He plays the cop that's hunting Leo. Um, and I was like, I, I saw him and I was like, yes, yes, I love you. You're fucking great. And even he couldn't save that film for me. Yeah, I was, it's a, yeah. There's a three part one on Netflix, right. uh, Godzilla. Uh, it's, a, it's a CG kind of anime style one, but it's done by Netflix. Um, yeah. That's quite good. That's yeah. that, that's a reimagining of it. It's okay. set in the far future, um, which is is quite good. It's it's three feature length things, basically a little telling a little trilogy. That's quite good. Give that a watch, because um, well, that's the we best Godzilla thing I've seen end. in a long time. We'll announce at the end what we're doing next week. But yeah. the thing I had in my mind before I chose what I'm what I'm going to choose was a mm-hmm. uh, Kong Skull Island. I really like that. I kind of on this that. big monster vibe that we're on this week. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's not, it's kind of very similar to this. It's not a smart film. It's not like, yeah. like, it's but Peter Jackson, I isn't really, it? I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure. No, no, no. That's King Kong. That's uh, the one okay. we went to see. Do you remember when we went to see it at the cinema one Christmas? We went to Pizza Art as we always do. And then we went to see King <laughs> Kong. Yeah, I fell asleep. That's yeah, like I remember going. I don't remember anything about the film. I remember going there, and I remember Pete's up beforehand, but I don't remember like an hour before you even see Kong. It's just Jack Black running around. Yeah, I I don't like Uh, that one. This one's a much. This one's just like a simple, fun film. It's got Samuel Jackson in it as well, so uh, you know it's going to be good. But yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed. We'll 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 have to cover it in the next few weeks. Make sure you put it on the list. Make sure you put it on the list. Put some more stuff on that. I've looked at that. I've, I've added loads over the last month, and and it's starting to look a little bit um, Rooney dominated at the moment. So you need to put some stuff in there, or there's going to be more stuff like this. <laughs> okay, um, I'll I will definitely work on it. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, I was saying about the, the Evangelion thing. There's this is kind of on a tangent, oh, but yeah, this sorry. film it's it's related to this film because uh, obviously, like I said before, Evangelion is this this seminal. Uh, work of of anime and there's been a live action remake has been on the cards for like ever because people have been like you should do a live action because it would be great Uh, and one of the arguments against it has always been that the technology just didn't exist to make it look good enough yeah this film that i've I've seen so many times people touting this film as to as the proof that a live action neon uh, neon genesis could be made so studio gynax get on that Make us a live action one, and Shinji get in the giant robot. 
reference will go straight over your head, but lots of other people will get it. Not that I've ever listened to this podcast. Um, <laughs> we said we said before about the CG in this film. Yeah, uh, it's just it's incredible. It's it it's is, a, yeah. it's just above and beyond. We look at some of the other films we've watched, and we're like, yeah, the CG wasn't great. And yeah, no, the CG. Then you look at this. It's incredible. It it's is. so good. <laughs> I have to admit, when I first put the film on and like the narration come on, I was just like going into it. I wasn't <laughs> excited to watch it. That came on and I was like, oh God, oh, I can't <laughs> believe I've got to sit through two hours of this. And then it cuts to the scene with the kaiju knocking down yeah. the Golden Gate Bridge. And I was suddenly like, oh, oh, I'm in yeah. there. It's this just looks like... amazing. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the best thing about it is I, I know they put a lot of time behind the scenes working out the physics of how this would yeah. work um, and the engineering sort of, you know, so it, it is based very strongly in reality. Um yeah, I think it just you from that place like from that opening scene, the whole thing, it doesn't look like CG, which no. I think is that's one of the biggest the best tricks they pull off in this film is that you know it's CG, you know it's all computer generated, it's all artificial, but it doesn't look it. And no. it, you get you get with other films, you'll often get, you know, there'll be bits which don't look it and you can but for most of it, you're you're very much aware that this is this is fake and it looks fake it looks like yeah. a cutscene from a video game this film really doesn't i don't i don't know who was in charge of doing it um i did read the the name of the studio that was responsible for it but i can't remember what it was and for some reason i didn't write it down because i'm an idiot um but they should yeah. be hired for everything whoever they, they are they should be hired for everything yeah they should just do all cg for everything from now on because yeah. this is incredible them and um ilm should just do all special effects going forward for everything yeah Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, to be fair, they are probably standing on the shoulder of ILM to, to get this far. Are they but, um, in this film? Do they kind of is there an anti-feminist kind of note where they create Mori, who is a smart, capable and dependable woman. Mm. But as soon as she sees Riley with his, with his top off, she kind of just like. She's suddenly like, <laughs> she's not like, she's like, oh, abs, and she just falls apart. Like, I thought she was. Getting, women are that simple. I thought she was just getting turned on by the scars. I, I, because that's what I took from that scene. I was like, wow, man, them some serious scars. I was watching it with Cody, um, yeah, and and I was like, man, them some, there's some impressive scars. And Cody was like, yeah, they look really bad. They must have hurt. <laughs> So maybe I was focusing on the wrong thing, but um, I just to me she's like I'm strong, I'm capable. Fifty-one drops, fifty-one kills, and then suddenly she sees him. Have, he's got some abs, and she's turns into a, like a shy little schoolgirl. I've got a note on her character actually, and it's yeah. it's it's a bit all over the place. It's almost like it was written by different people at different times Yeah. because she, she sort of flits between being like all kawaii and all like gushy over, over him with his abs. And then she's like, to begin with, she's super serious and professional and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Here's all the stats and everything. Uh, and then she's a badass. And then like, the next minute she's, she's this, this simpering little victim. It, it's not until sort of like for the first half of the film, she's all over the place. Yeah, it's not until you get to the second moment. half of the Yeah. You get to the second yeah. half of the film and she's sort of, Settles into her yeah, her role. Like, oh, I know who I am. I know, I know what my character's meant to be now. Yeah, it's yeah. like they they kind of 
got different people to write her character for the first hour of the film or something, yeah. which is it's a shame because she's a really she's a really interesting character. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And, she's probably uh, my favourite character in the whole film. What's her Rinko something or other? I can't remember her surname. Um, she's re- she's really good, and yeah, she's yeah. also she's also like ridiculously good looking, which. The scenes with her and I just Elba next to each other. I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I don't know where I'm like, coming or going. <laughs> yeah. that's, your, that's your fantasy of the most. That's, that's my fantasy. I'll be the meat in that sandwich, right? mate. Because yeah. I, I have a note in here somewhere. Um, uh, uh, Idris Elba, um, just in a, in a suit in this film, he is a he is a very attractive man. Oh yeah, I think, he smoulders. <laughs> I think my mum's got a crush on Idris. She gets all flushed every time he comes on TV. Or <laughs> his mate said. A, a, yeah. a few people. I've, I've got. I've, seen, I've got a lot of time for Idris as well. I've, I've seen a lot of people raving uh, about him. I haven't seen many things that he's actually been in. Um, but in in every scene he's in in this film, he just smoulders. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think this scene really allows him to act the way. He can act. I kind of see him in this a lot like his his role was Hemdow in four, where like he doesn't get in that he doesn't get enough screen time to show what he can yeah. do as an actor. In this, he kind of seems limited by pedestrian dialogue. But my yeah. mom swears I haven't seen it yet. I keep meaning to watch it, but I haven't got around to it. My mom swears by this show, um, BBC show called Luther. She yeah. says like he's really good in that. And I thought he was incredible in The Wire. So, big up Eldris. And he's from East London. Yeah. Oh, practically a local. Shout out Idris. Your verse on fucking Boasty is cool, fam. (laughs) Right. Um, What's the point of the first wave of Kaiju if they have exterminators? Because they say, like, oh, these were just the first lot. They just came to try and kill the vermin. But as soon as exterminators will come and they'll destroy everything. Why not just skip the first lot and just go straight for the straight for like the category five, category yeah, six? One of the things this film does do, it puts a lot of effort into background, like actual on screen background. Yeah. But it, it kind of skips in some ways it does a lot of good world building because yeah. with the whole the, the black market feels really fleshed out and then yeah. they casually drop in about the kaiju temples where they think that they're yeah. you know a scourge it's from like, God sort of thing. There's like one line of dialogue about that, and I'm sitting there when that happened thinking that's that's the storyline that I really want to see. How do the these kaiju like sympathizers the, the, yeah. um, who think that they're sent from they've God? Built up this whole religion around the kaiju. It's like that's what I want to. That's just, what I want to know more about. It's just dropped so casually, and there's several things. Uh, Chow, Chow's character, well, uh, Ron Perlman's character, um, Herman Chow. Yeah, is it Herman Chow? Hannibal Chow. Hannibal Chow. Um, is is just. He, he kind of just does exposition um, and a little bit of flamboyance because yeah. he really breaks up the, the rather the clunky sort of ground down military feel that everything else has got. And then you've got the, the, the big Kaiju and the Jaegers and that he's a total, he's almost like a palate cleanser because yeah. it's his little subplot with, with him and um, uh, Newton. Uh, yeah. There, there's this, it's, it's, it's a total, it ties in very nicely with the main storyline, but it's a totally different end, feel, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of this little subplot that's it's like it's the levity. It's the levity. Yeah. Like they bring the levity 
too, in my opinion, too much levity. But they bring the levity, otherwise it would just be two hours of just CG robots yeah. fighting kaiju. And... Um, Ron Perlman's character mm. has my... I, I think the dialogue in this film is pretty pedestrian, to be fair. It but is pretty staid, isn't it? He has my favourite line. When they reveal he, he is Hannibal Chow, Hannibal Chow, and he's like, yeah, I took that name from my favourite historic character. Yeah. In my favourite Szechuan restaurant in Brooklyn. Yeah. That was the first time I was like, oh, so they can write. They can be like, original and funny, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah the, the, that's my favourite line of dialogue. The, the dialogue in this is functional, shall we say? It's, I think they've got they've got a lot of larger than life characters. But yeah, they don't give them larger than life dialogue, and they don't give them enough. These larger than life characters don't get enough time to really be fully appreciated. Like, yeah, what's his name? Herman. The oh, British oh, Herman yeah, yeah. Occasionally has a limp and occasionally doesn't have a limp. Yeah, when 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 the <laughs> when the set dressing allows him to limp, he has a limp. The rest yeah. of the time, he doesn't. <laughs> like, there's an interesting character, but he's only basically in the scenes. So the other guy, whose name I can't remember, has someone to talk to. Yeah, like, he has a lot of good, interesting lines. He does the worst acting in the entire film. At one point, he turns <laughs> he turns to a laptop and just starts. Just, so, yeah, just <laughs> just matches then, the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, and then turns back and it's like you weren't even doing anything. That was just it was completely yeah. pointless. Uh, we're supposed to believe that that tapping, mashing the keys like that for for fifteen seconds allowed him to set it up for a second human brain yeah. to be dropped into the drift. It's like okay, this this film is it's a big budget overthought Saturday morning cartoon. The characterizations, yes. the yeah. dialogue, everything. It's a grown-up Saturday morning cartoon. That's just come to me while you were saying the, about the larger-than-life characters. That That's might be the smartest insight you've had in this podcast so far. This Thank is you. like my. This is like Saturday morning childhood cartoons, but they've spent two hundred million on it. Yeah. 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 This is that's that's actually the best way probably to watch this. Get your get your bowl of Fruit Loops. Sit down. Your cup of tea. You come yeah. and see and sit there and watch this in in your fucking in your dressing gown in your pajamas. That's the way. I am on a Saturday morning when <laughs> you're half asleep. Yeah, brilliant. It's like it's biker mice from Mars writ large. <laughs> um, chase the rabbit. Is that an Alice in Wonderland reference? Yeah, you're going down rabbit yeah. holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just saying. Yeah. I'm just asking because they because oh, I right. only say it a few times when they people first go into the drift and they're like. Don't chase the rabbit. Don't chase the rabbit. Don't chase the rabbit. And then it's never mentioned again. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. is whether well, was it meant to be an Alice in Wonderland reference or was am I just attack am I projecting that on there? No, I think that's it's uh I think that is what it's intended as. I haven't seen it written specifically anywhere, but it makes sense. Um what have I got here? The uh, the the drift reminds me okay. <laughs> this is another reference you're not gonna get. <laughs> I'm doing really well with those this episode, but it's, it keeps reminding me of things that that you know touch on other stuff I know about. Um, the whole drift thing reminds me a lot of the Princeps slash Titan interface from Warhammer Forty Thousand, where they basically plug. But rather than interfacing with another human, they interface with the machine spirit of the Titan, and Titans are basically bigger, angrier versions of Jaegers. Okay. Um, 
and yeah, they 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 interface the princeps, who is the basic, effectively the pilot, his brain directly with the spirit of this machine. So it's it's kind of a two way drift, but with a machine rather than uh, like another human to control a machine, which I thought was a that made sense to me. It was a reference I got that I don't know if it was intended, but um, it's oh god, in real time, I just got a text from Ash. <laughs> Is he is he actually just like eavesdropping or something? I don't know. Possibly. Um <laughs> sorry, you just said something that's quite a good segue into my next note. You said that these Titans are bigger versions of the Jaegers. Yeah. How do they move around? Because in this Slowly. apparently <laughs> eight helicopters can carry a Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. You look at these things, they've got to wait thousands of tons yeah. and i i i don't know why they didn't just create super helicopters like yeah. bigger yeah because these eight standard issue army helicopters ain't <laughs> carrying shit let alone one of them <laughs> well at one point you see one of them standing on the deck of an aircraft carrier it's like no no oh that that actually uh, it was another i think that was a reference to an evangelion episode um, where there's a whole scene where they fight one of the bad guys that's underwater and they're standing. There's a scene where one of the Evas jumps from battleship to battleship, basically okay. crushing their decks. And it's like, that was ridiculous enough, but the Evas are, are, are lighter than these things are supposed yeah. to be. So having one of these stood on the deck of a of an aircraft carrier, it would sink the aircraft carrier. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way it could support it because these things must be like horrendously heavy yeah <laughs> but it's fine because eight helicopters can move them anywhere they, anywhere they need them. <laughs> i don't like i just i don't understand that why didn't they just turn them into giant iron men put like rocket launchers in their boots and just let them fly around well, it's, it's shown that they can do rocket assisted jumps because we yeah. see that several times they fire the, the the rockets in the back i suppose having using rocket engines to move those things around would use horrendous amounts of fuel because rockets are inefficient anyway and having to fly around on their own without like iron man style repulsors i don't know See, if i'd made this film i would have taken a little bit of um you only live twice the bond film where mm. what's his face lives in the volcano i would have had all the all, all the jaegers in volcanoes and the top would have come back and they would have iron manned <laughs> out that's what i would have done on that note <laughs> I have tried to watch some old James Bond. They've been showing loads of these old James Bond films on Saturday nights. Yeah. And because I have no life and no girls like me, I spend my Saturday nights in my house. Oh. Every week I try to watch one of these one of these Bond films that I've seen before and loved as a kid. Yeah. And every week within 20 minutes, half hour, I am so offended by <laughs> the misogynism, <laughs> the racism, and the cheesiness of it that I can't get through it you can't I'll go any further with a bond film these days unless you're about over the age of 50 you can't go any further back than the 90s because no. they have not that, aged well when was that timothy dalton one when was that 90s because that's the uh, one i tried to watch last week of you to a kill i think it was called was that 90s yeah oh that probably yeah probably went in early 90s view to a kill oh my with, god um, with what's her name Oh, I, I watched the opening scene and got so offended by its racism that and its unbelievability <laughs> that I literally the first ad break came and I've just Grace I Jones. Off. Grace Jones, that's it. 
I don't know. I didn't get that far to see Grace. Yeah, Rooney. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a scene at the beginning. Yeah. They're so racist. <laughs> it's like they're trying to chase the um, the terrorists. I think it was, <laughs> and they're in a helicopter, and you got this crusty old white guy who must be in his sixties, <laughs> who's meant to be getting married, right? And Timothy Dalton. Is it Timothy Dalton? No, I think it, it was Timothy. Be. Dalton. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's still looking. He looks younger than he did in Penny Dreadful, but he's still like kind of an older white man. <laughs> and then you've got these two black guys that played like the D- DEA agents. And yeah. they're all like in their vests and stuff on, on, on this helicopter with their guns. <laughs> and basically the whole the whole scene is these two crusty old white guys are like, don't you worry, we're here to save the day. We're here <laughs> to save the day. And they jump out the like, they jump out of the helicopter. Oh, no, sorry, they save the day. And then the helicopter flies over this guy's wedding and they parachute into the wedding. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is fucking bullshit. How anybody thought, how Bond has ever done what he did and become like such a massive franchise is just beyond me. It was a different time, Stephen. You could, you could do different things. So so incredibly racist. It offended <laughs> me. Um, I know it looks good, but who would want to have a bridge in the middle of their office? <laughs> there are there are a lot of questionable um design choices in this film um that's probably one of the tamer ones yeah i mean look at gypsy danger's bridge either side of the uh the cockpit you have a big spinny rotating yeah thing and then immediately under the pilots is just a mass of grinding gears clockworks and a furnace like reactor core yeah like, what? No, I'm you already wanna... in a giant robot fighting a giant alien monster. Why yeah. would you put a fucking meat grinder immediately? So if anything goes wrong and I fall into it, yeah, I become I'm sausage dead. meat. No. <laughs> I just, I see Idris in his office and I'm like, why do you need to have a bridge? Why do you need to have like a pond in the middle it's of your office? Bizarre. It just makes no sense. I mean, I'd like one in my office at work. That'd be pretty cool. Um, although I'd end up throwing things in it. I'd be like little balls of blue tack and, and paper clips when I got bored. Yeah. I'd be on a long phone call and I'd just be like, blink, blink. <laughs> so I'd have to be dredged every day to get all the crap out of it. <laughs> Cleaners, you've got you've got a secondary role. You now drag the lake every night. Yeah, a pool cleaner. Yeah. Also, I'd have a little I'd have a little radio control boat in there as well that I could just drive around. <laughs> oh god, now I've got visions of like Idris being all like strong and commanding and then his office door shuts and he goes and sits at his desk and just starts playing with his remember when we were kids and you could go to like Fort Park or whatever mm. and they had like them yeah. remote control things but they also had like the, the water guns that you put yeah you put and you could yeah just Idris on one of them in his office <laughs> massive Cheshire, Cheshire cat grin on his face just like this is brilliant <laughs> door goes and he's like hmm, stern again <laughs> yeah the resistance on, on the note of uh, of it just being stern and, and stuff uh, by my calculations he spends, spends approximately 98.75% of this film frowning 
Yeah, well, he is the leader of the resistance. Ma- he's got man a... must have a he must have a seriously good like face care routine. Oh like, yeah, oil of ole or something, because otherwise he'd have wrinkles for days. Yeah. He'll just like he just looks like a big ball bag, just all wrinkled up because he spends just, ugh, he's just scowling all the time. As soon as they finish, he's seen he has to go lay down and get a face massage and a big like face pack on, just to undo <laughs> all the damage all this frowning's causing. <laughs> <laughs> right, could you answer this? If kaiju were created, mm-hmm. why would they create a pregnant kaiju? Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the the, the the sort of like subtext subplots in this film that's never addressed. No. Why did they send either wait until it's ready to give birth so that it comes out of the breach or have it like come out of the breach and just hang out down there until it's given birth? Yeah, and then like have both of them going. I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any unless sense. It's, unless that's part of the way that they think they're gonna like take over the world is they send the kaiju up and then the kaiju give birth and then suddenly they're multiplying yeah. and we can't keep up with it. But, but yeah, they just it's do a whole, really badly. It's a whole part of the plot where they kill Hannibal, but there's no real explanation at any point as to why they why? would create because he no. says. He says we that they create him when we see him when he goes in does the mind meld thing. Yeah, we yeah. see them like making them. So why would they make one that's pregnant? That just baffled me. That was another yeah. thing. This I'm just... wondering if that was like an abandoned subplot or yeah. something because I'm, it... thinking, yeah. I'm thinking it probably got edited out. I'm thinking there was a whole bit about that in there, but the film was three hours long did, and that was a bit like. Did out. you see the the after credit scene? No. No. I oh, sat so through two hours of this film. As soon as the credits come on, I turned it you, off. You don't know that Hannibal Chow's not actually dead? No, I didn't know that. He has an after credit scene because um, he gets eaten by the baby kaiju yeah. after he stabs it in the nose and giving it all the big I am. He gets eaten, doesn't he? And then, uh, yeah, there's like a post-credit scene, like five minutes into the credits, where you see the baby kaiju and he cuts his way out of it with his butterfly knife. Oh. <laughs> and then he, he sticks out and he's like, well, where the hell is my goddamn shoe? Because obviously he finds his shoe left. Yeah, he's got a little after credit scene. I didn't, I didn't stick around in the cinema to see that, and I'd never watched it when I've seen it on Blu-ray. I just turned it off. Yeah. But um, as I do now, when I'm on Netflix, I just immediately skip forward to see if there's any post-credit scenes. And yeah, I saw in the little screenshot. Oh, I was like, oh, there's a post-credit scene, and it's literally just him cutting his way out of its belly with his little butterfly knife. <laughs> And I, after after two hours, as soon as this film finished, it was off. <laughs> I wasn't hanging around for anything else. But um, you said about you said about dialogue. So do you think do you, do you think that's the line he used on his wife when he came home and found that she turned his shoes into high heels? I wonder if he cut her open with his butterfly knife as well. <laughs> Probably not, because that would have been on like on the news or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, dead over some shoes. You not you dead. said about the, the dialogue. Um, uh, we've discussed the dialogue and how it's very formulaic. It's very, very straight. Not very good, really. Um, there is one line, my favourite line in this film, which is said by Herman Gottlieb, who yeah. is a horrendous stereotype. Oh yeah. Um, when he's saying about the the maths, the numbers, they don't lie. Oh, that's a good line. Yeah. Politics, poetry, and promises; those are lies. Yeah. It's like. That I like that. That's that's a little flash of, of genius there in this very humdrum dialogue. 
It was nice. There's the second bit of that that I really liked. It was uh, numbers are the closest thing we can get to God. That's yes, that's the second part of it. Yeah. What's it really called? The whole quote in there. What's it called? Is it? It's not. Well, you have the magic number. That it's not Py, not Pythagoras. There's the magic number, and oh, there's lots of lots yeah. of theories. The, the, the golden the golden the go- number. The go- yeah. The, this, oh God, what is it called? The golden something. Ah. Is it really going to annoy me? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be annoying. But that's yeah, I think that's yeah. it's kind of what it's there's yes that 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 golden number which can be using that you can work out ev- everything and anything and everything. And the meaning of yeah. life is is buried in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that. I really like that line. And as we've just discovered there, it references much bigger ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, like. Actually, I forgot. I completely forgot about that, but I, I do really, really appreciate that line. Especially <laughs> the the politics is all lies because you know my stand, my stance I on politics. Do indeed. Um, Beckett's Beckett's introduction to the uh, drift candidates that Mako has, yeah. has found for him. Now, his uh, reviewing of them because they say you're going to review the the candidates. Yeah. It seems to just consist. Yeah, well, the thing is, they're not even other candidates. They're the other pilots. They're the other yeah. rangers of the other um, Jaegers. I mean, it's, Crimson it's Tide. That... Yeah, because he fights all three yeah. of those. Um, and, and then, then he fights Mako. And it's like, yeah. well, is that how you, like, work out someone's... Is that how you predict drift compatibility? You just hit one yeah. another with sticks? Because, yeah. what? <laughs> he doesn't do anything else. There's no actual, like, technology involved or anything clever. It's just... Let's have a let's have a sword fight with some sticks. <laughs> that that whole scene just reminded me of what, what we used to do on Monday nights. Yeah. Especially when Idris is like, Mori, control. And I'll be like, oh I Rooney told me that so many times. Told you that so many times. I was like, oh, so yeah. this is what he means when he says pull your shots. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they were they were exemplifying pulling the, the blow because yeah. they didn't even hit each other half the time. Yeah. They didn't go home with big welts where, where they <laughs> managed to, yeah. Oh. Yeah, where they managed to batter each other. Um, but to be fair, they probably didn't have any hilarious gifts um, where a rebounded yeah. shot smacks someone in the knee and they hop off. They literally <laughs> hop out of camera shot. <laughs> you did drop me literally at least once a week. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as good at pulling the shots as... as I think I am. <laughs> um, I'm all out of notes now, so. Oh, okay. Still, I still have quite a few, I think. Um, I've already said about the ridiculous Australian accents. Um, this is another film that loves its uh, see-through monitors. Oh, Except this yeah. time, they're not even monitors. They're like 3D projected holograms that just look, they would be awful to use. Because if you move your head by the slightest degree to the side, they'd yeah. all be out of sync and you'd it'd be like watching a 3D film without the glasses on. Why? Stop doing this, set designers. No. Um, I think we should go back to the 1980s version of the future. It's far more. <laughs> oh, tiny little CRT monitors yeah, with big yeah. clunky mechanical keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> it's far better. I said, I said, I'm only about their set design for the, 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 the see-through monitors. But whoever uh, on set design was responsible for putting the old old school wood and leather handheld bellows on Newton's, you know when he makes his little first drift rig, 
and does his first oh, drift. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's that yeah. bellows going in the background. Yeah. That is some that is some unseen university shit going on there. Because that yeah. is just it's it's just that it's never referenced. I can't see why you would need that at all. But it's just there behind his head, just slowly pumping away. So shout out to to the uh, the set hand who built that into it because that's genius. <laughs> um, my second favorite line of the film is uh, Marshall Pentecost. Well, after he's had the the row with uh, Beckett and he's marching off to the uh, to the lift and Beckett grabs him, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He turns around, he's like, one, don't you ever touch me again. Two, don't you ever touch me again. I <laughs> oh, see. I didn't like that. I was like, oh, really? I mean, I love that line because that's perfect. That's perfectly in character for him. And to be honest, I've said things like that before to people. <laughs> Um, Newton, 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 Newton. Yeah. The uh, the Cavalier rock star scientist. He's like a he's like the Wish dot com version of uh, <laughs> Doctor Ian Malcolm from Jurassic yeah. Park. He's the cheap knockoff, the off brand, own brand version. He's a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, and it takes a black market crime boss to point out the huge glaring flaw in doing a drift with a kaiju brain. Yeah. Because it is a two-way street. How does he not... I mean, he's the, the resident kaiju groupie slash biologist. He should have known that as soon as he thought about the idea, he should have gone, ah, well, I'll need to put a safeguard in so that I only drift one way because otherwise yeah. they will read my mind. Just, Especially oh. when you go into his mind and all of his memories are in, like him at medical school. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, <laughs> you know he's trained. He just, yeah, he just he just overlooked this one obvious glaring thing that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't like that character, and I really I, I like what they did to him in the second film because well it's the second to... film. Uh, yeah, with um, what's his name? Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising with John Boyega. Oh. It's it's actually it's actually a really good film. Um, it's yeah, but... less it's less straight laced than this film. Oh, it's okay. a, it's more fun in a way. Um, they 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 let the humor out a lot more. I don't think it's made by Del Toro, which may be why Probably there's such a big yeah. shift in it. But yeah, yeah, the second one is also it is also pretty good. Um, you're not gonna make me watch that as well, are you? No, I'm not gonna add that to the list at the moment. I'm not I'm not big on sequels apart from Aliens. I don't think I've got any sequels lined up <laughs> on my oh, list. I have. Predator 2, Terminator 2. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about them. What? Okay, so there will be there will be something. Right? There will be there will be quite a few sequels. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about those two. Jesus. Even though we discussed them like at length in their yeah. <laughs> in the, the, the other episodes. God, yeah. Um now the Jaegers in this film yeah. show what could have been done with the Transformers franchise if they'd been given to a competent director. Because okay. Michael Bay took the Transformers, and uh, have you watched any of the? I know you've seen one of them because I think I saw it at the cinema with you. The first I saw one, the first one in the cinema, and it was all right. It didn't like I, I walked out thinking, yeah, that was all right. Yeah, which is not my favourite um, response to watching the <laughs> film, but it was all right. I, it was watchable. I, I watched it once and was like, I'm never gonna. I don't need to see it again, but. I don't feel like I've wasted that time. It was worth yeah. worth watching once. I saw the second one, and when the 
Transformers started doing terrible Jamaican accents. Yeah. I kind of I tuned out. Um yeah, yeah and that's it. That's as far it's, as I found. Well, it kind of gets worse as they got I think there's like four or five of them now. Um and Michael Bay, when he's not blowing things up, just kind of has this approach of just put everything on the screen at once forever. And yeah. it's just the Transformers become when the fight scenes kick off, you've got a Transformer fighting the Decepticon. But it's just a mass of moving mechanical parts on screen. You, there's no character. You can't see anything. It's just a... Oh, yeah. It's just like uh, this... He's basically spooging on your eyes constantly. It's just ridiculous. Um, and this film shows that you can have big... You can have these, you know, intense mechanical fights with robots. It doesn't have to be just a, a, a mess. You yeah. And I really would have liked to have seen someone like Del Toro get his hands on the, the Transformers franchise. I know. It would have been a much better film. I know part of the, the art of directing is storyboarding. Mm. But when you hand over huge parts of your film to the CG department, how much creative license did the CG department get? Like, I don't think they get a great saying, deal like, because they, they produce something. Fight, we need this one to... Look like he's gonna win, but we need this one to come back and ultimately defeat him. Or are they getting the entire thing storyboarded by like with the from the director or the director and his storyboarder? I think I think they the, yeah the, the director and the, and whoever's producing the storyboards the, yeah they 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 don't see the finished article until you know very late in the process. It's all it's all done with low poly renders yeah. first, so they they'll go you know this is what we've got. Okay, here's the storyboard. Here's what we made. What do you think? And they can they basically turn around and say, yeah, okay, carry on with that, or no, that's make this change. That's rubbish. Whatever. I think they have quite a, a large amount of of control over that. Um, so because it, Michael Bay had every opportunity to look at it and be like, nah, this is shit. We're not going to uh, do yeah. it like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> which I think is why nobody likes Michael Bay's. Well, nobody likes Michael Bay, apart from Michael Bay. Michael Bay likes Michael Bay. Someone <laughs> in Hollywood likes Michael Bay because he keeps making films. Actually, yeah, the finance, the finances of, of the finance department like Michael they, Bay. They love it because Michael Bay makes bank. Yeah. Um, I don't know how because it makes that guap fam. What? What? Did you just have a stroke? No, guap money. What? Money. God, that sounds like something from Futurama. <laughs> God, like slurm. I get a can of slurm and a bottle of guap. I'm oh, gonna send you like my my thesaurus to my new lexicon next week, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, that's gonna be hilarious because yeah. I'm gonna be using them. I'm gonna use them them this new hip terminology. We'll get down with the kids. They'll be playing no. us on the street corners from their no, boot boxes. You're only gonna come across as a white guy thinking he's funny by doing by talking straight, and that's really quite offensive. Listen, as I, I come as I found out last week when we listened to that episode, when I re-listened to our episode, so, <laughs> I come from the ghetto. I am entitled to use street talk. To be fair, when we were kids, Harlow was a nice place. Now it is the ends. It is a bit of a ghetto. It is the ends. The fucking shades, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, la, la, la. Right. I wanted to shout out, I wanted to do a call out for the, the Tokyo Docks fight scene with uh, Gypsy Danger fighting, I can't remember, is it Knife Head? Or yeah, knife, the Knife Head. I can't head remember fight any scene. of the names of the kaiju, sorry. 
Um, they have that fight in the docks, and uh, there were two things in this that not only really, really amused me, they totally blew Cody's mind. Okay. As I said, I was watching this with Cody, um, and I told him he would like this film. I mentioned it the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch um, Pacific Rim tonight. And he was like, oh, yeah, that film. And I was like, what? I was like, mate, it's giant robots fighting giant monsters. He was like, oh, actually, no, that sounds quite good. I didn't think it would sound like that. I was like, yes, it He's is. Like- He's like, I thought it was that film where all them people from the Pacific Islands just rimmed you. <laughs> yes, my six-year-old thought that. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you, boy? Jesus. I don't know what kind of household you run, boy. Not that kind. My God. Um, that's the kind of household that gets you arrested and put on a list. Um, <laughs> anyway, that it was this scene, this, this Tokyo fight scene, where Cody actually turned around to me. <laughs> and was like, we got to the end of the scene. Um, and well, this, uh, at one point, Gypsy Danger picks up a whole bunch of uh, the, the kaiju picks up a crane and starts using it as a as a flail to, to hit the, the Jaeger. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I know where we are now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And then Gypsy Danger picks up a bunch of shipping containers and uses them as giant robot knuckle dusters. Yeah. And then a little bit later, after they've killed that one, you see the scene of just this uh, this tanker. This giant yeah. supercargo transport ship being dragged along, and he uses it as a club to batter the kaiju. And Cody actually turned to me. I mean, his mind was blown by this. And he turned yeah. around to me and was like, Daddy, this film is so good. And I was like, I know, I told you. Because, like, yeah, but I didn't think it would be this good, Daddy. And I was like, I'm glad I've been vindicated here by my six-year-old for who had his mind totally blown by this. And just that, that whole fight scene, in Tokyo with those two kaiju with the the whole the fucking ship. I was for the duration of that film, I was right there with Cody. I was a six year old just having my mind I was blown. Say, maybe this is why I don't like it, because it was made for six year olds. <laughs> I mean it's a twelve, but you know <laughs> The thing about the thing that I felt like I did think that scene was super cool, I'm not gonna lie. When he's like smashing it around the face with a with a tanker. <laughs> but my overall thing of that scene is how much human life <laughs> got lost from all of these buildings that people were probably hiding in, just getting decimated. At one point, he can't even he can't find a kaiju, and the kaiju just bursts through bursts a building. Through a building. Yeah, <laughs> you telling me there's not at least one janitor or one person hiding in that building? I think. I think the, the approach is supposed to take this is they they show them all hiding down in the public shelter. I know, but. There's not we enough all, space for the entire city to hide down think, there. Think back to to um, Marshall Pentecost's uh, line in one of the, the very early scene where they see them going out, and he says, "There's still a civilian ship in the area." And he says, and he "You're, says, not gonna you're defending a, the lives of you're not risk a city of ten million. 10 yeah. yeah, exactly. I think if there's one person, even if there's a dozen people in that building that the kaiju is hiding in, you know, it's a small price to pay for the fact that." The whole of Tokyo doesn't just get killed. <laughs> Hong Kong, isn't it? Is it Hong Kong? No, I think it's Tokyo. I think it's referenced as Tokyo Docks. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry, no, because they go to the Hong Kong Bay. No, the Hong Kong base is in Shutter Dome's in Hong Kong. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got confused. And, but yeah. the, the, a lot of the fighting takes place in Tokyo, which is yeah. confusing for us white people who can't tell the difference <laughs> because we're terrible. <laughs> but we should all already know if giant monsters are going to be fighting giant 
robots is more than likely going to be it's in, going to be in tokyo <laughs> or a beastie um, boys video this that right the scene you're saying about the, the destruction of the the buildings um there's that scene with the newton's cradle where he's uh, uh thingy uh what is it gypsy danger tries to punch the kaiju the kaiju yeah. dodges and his fist goes through the office oh, building yeah, yeah, yeah. and stops yeah. just as it to nudge the oh, desk yeah. and set newton's cradle that's what going that's yeah. Yeah. So Newton's Cradle. That scene, I, I really liked that scene, and I already had it in my notes to to reference it. I did some more digging on that scene, and that whole thing, none of that. Well, aside from uh, basically painting Gypsy Danger's fist into that yeah. scene, that whole thing is a practical effect. Oh. It's the whole thing was created in miniature, um, yeah. and they basically three D printed all these little desks and chairs and lamps and stuff like that, um, and uh, plowed a great big bright green steel mandrel through it to oh. destroy it all and then they cg painted uh the fist over the top of it but yeah, yeah that whole thing was um actually a practical effect and again that's where the budget went getting that yeah. all the lighting none of the lighting was cg it was all practical lighting so it was all like little tiny leds placed in there and everything they built this massively intricate model and then smashed it for a single shot <laughs> A shot that, whilst I love it, and it's really good, and it, it's good as like, I'm gonna go back to songwriting now. You know <laughs> when you're doing like a heavy song, but you put like a, a moment of quiet in just to get yeah. dynamics. That's like the pause in the fight scene where, kind of you go, you take a breath before That's you go back in. Yeah. Otherwise, it would just you'd get halfway through that fight scene, but I'm so fucking bored. But <laughs> they kind of cut it in a way that you get. A breath of fresh air but even if like taking that into consideration it's almost still a pointless scene so oh, yeah it's, it's, it looks brilliant and i really appreciate it but to spend all that time and money on something that's really quite a pointless scene well one thing that's, i've never really paid a great deal of attention to uh directors and filmmakers and i like the film rather than the person making it in general I, oh yeah yeah uh, until this podcast, I couldn't have told you who directed or wrote most of the films that I like. Um, Actually, and they may be. I'm I know really you're the other it. way. You're you're far more of a you're far more into your films like that than I am. Yeah. Um, I'm usually more interested in the in-universe stuff than the yeah. real-world stuff. I, I'm starting to notice uh, with Del Toro. That's kind of his thing. Is almost unnecessary depth below the surface little things yeah. this scene is a perfect example of that it would have cost a lot of money taken a lot of time yeah. to do and it you could miss that out entirely and just have an external <laughs> scene of it punching into the building you yeah. don't need to see the inside of the building at all you don't even need to have it hit a building um or in but it, just classic film sense they could have just cut to a scene in like where um they're kind of like watching on do you know like in star wars where they cut to layer and yeah. like watching the screen and that's how you cut out of the of the space battles and stuff yeah you cut to Leia and you get her response they could have just cut back to idris and he could have yeah. been like oh this back to the control room. yeah and that would have given you that little pause that little breath of fresh air yeah but instead del, del toro tried to do it visually and it, in a so yeah i now i'm talking about it i really i still think it's quite pointless <laughs> it but, is it's a pointless scene but it, it 
the, the way he did it visually yeah. and the and the way yeah it's really quite original so it's yeah, something I'll give you cut out of the film and you wouldn't you wouldn't lose anything story wise or tone wise no. but you would it, it would add it lose character it's a it's the, quite a characterful throwaway scene the fight scene would have probably dragged on without that little pause it probably would oh, yeah, have dragged you needed, on you needed the pause but as we said yeah. you could have done it a much simpler and much cheaper oh. way by oh, just yeah. cutting back and having idris go Ooh. <laughs> you know yeah. just like a this ain't going well wint sort of thing yeah <laughs> um, now those the chain blades we mentioned the swords that um gypsy danger has i mean yeah. first of all they seem so effective every jaeger should just have like yeah. dozens of them just make the jaegers out of them because i mean we see that, that that final fight scene where um when they're underwater yeah. And that massive one, it does nothing in the entire fight except speed up, speed up and go really fast. And they just hold the sword up and cut it in half with yeah. its own momentum, which is I a, like that. That's a phenomenal that that is just awesome. Um Can you explain to me though why Crimson Tide has eighty seven knives on four arms and gets dispatched like that? And yeah, some of these other I guess what they're saying is if you've got a white person controlling it, they're gonna last longer. But yeah, some of these other Jaegers are just like quite basic compared to Crimson Tide. And they last right till the end and save the day. Yeah, this super Jaeger that you want to see more of because yeah. it's got all kinds of weapons, which kind of, it kind of there was one bit where all, all its knives come out and stuff and yeah, they all started spinning. Rotating blades and you're like, yeah, that looks sick. And you only get a few seconds of it actually using them. Yeah. And then it just gets or killed it gets, and it's yeah, like, huh. I mean, I know, I know what they're trying to do. They're like, look at this. This one's awesome. It's got three fucking arms, spinny yeah. blades. It's, it's gonna, and you're like, oh man, yeah, that's that's awesome. It's like the kung fu fighter of the of the Jaeger world. And I suppose the idea is that you see this awesome mech that you're really excited to see just get dispatched like that. Yeah. And you're supposed it's supposed to big up the kaiju, but I think all it does is kind of demote the the Jaeger. You start thinking, oh well, that was a bit shit. <laughs> it was take me straight back to the robot wars. Do you remember there was that one robot that had like the spinny blade and he yeah. just, just tried. Yeah. As soon as them blades started spinning, I was like, wow, this is like futuristic robot. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since they were always shit. Cause the only thing, the robot that run, one robot was every fucking series was one that had a big flipper. Yeah. Because all you did was flip your opponent up and you kept flipping them until their battery came loose. And that was it. That, that show had so much promise, but yeah. <laughs> let you down every week when they basically just bumped into each other a lot. Yeah. It was just like, oh, <laughs> why? Why? Um, yeah, this is just There's like... actually an episode of Spaced where they do, where it's like kind of like Fight Club meets Robot Wars. So yeah. they all they meet for this illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, they have the one thing I always wanted to see on Robot Wars, which is like the. The uh, missile launcher comes out out of the side yeah. of the robot, and just blows the other one. Up. Big up space. We will cover that at some point. I'll fucking yeah, love that. That is so. definitely that is on the list. I've seen that. And it's on it's on Netflix now. So it is. Yes. Yes. Um, but to refer back to my original point, that this, so oh, this yes, sword so. this sword is really cool. Um, but did Beckett not know about it? Because they're having this fight, and he's like, "Oh, we've yeah. got nothing left," and she's like, "Yes, we've got one thing left." And she fires up the sword, and then they just get into to using the sword. It's like, well, surely you should have known about it. This is your Jaeger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was it a retro? I mean, I know that she says that they've improved 
on it. They've yeah, given they've it a, a nuclear reactor and things like that. But yeah, surely they would have told him what weapons they'd added because you would need to know that as you know one half of the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> you I, need to know what I, weapons you've I got. I never understood that. I but I did see I saw that scene as kind of a nod to like Japanese culture and just basically old world culture of like yeah you can have all these guns and you can have all this other yeah. stuff and all these robots but at the end of the day a sword will do you just as good if you know how to at the, use it. at the end of the day their most effective weapon is the sword because it yeah. kills more than anything else and it yeah. kills a lot of them in a single blow yeah unlike this super powerful plasma cannon that his hands can turn into takes like what does it take, like four or five shots for it to kill the one in Tokyo? Don't. Like, he shoots it. He's just constantly shooting it. Yeah. And it's still going. And I'm like, I don't understand it. I just don't understand how it's still alive, how that's it's still a, going. He, he's shooting it again. He's shooting it again. <laughs> and he's just screaming, empty the clip, empty the clip. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's yeah like, you basically vaporized it. The guns have clips. Oh. <laughs> Well, especially since he screams, empty the clip, empty the clip. And then they yeah. stop firing, it falls to the floor. And then they turn around and go back and shoot it another four times. Yeah. I mean, I did like that. That was a, that was a nice little... Uh, that was a nice little building on, like, it built on... Because he lost his brother when they thought they'd killed yeah. it. They all got cocky. So this time he was going back to... Let's make go check sure for a pulse. And then yeah. they just shoot. I, mean, I, I scream about that in every horror movie ever. The villain's yeah. dead. We've defeated him. Let's just walk off and, and drop our weapons and relax and then get killed. No, no, no. no. You go cut he's his dead. head off. So he's definitely not coming back. Exactly. You go yeah. back, you cut his head off, you stake him through the heart, you burn his ashes and scatter them to the four winds. Yeah. Then you know he's dead. <laughs> then you can go home and sleep well. Then, then you relax. Yeah. Stupid people. Uh, it's mentioned by the marshal that um, it took them 14 months he says, we scraped together those Mark 1s in 14 months. Yeah. So in the 14 months after the initial Kaiju attack, they design and build the Mark 1 Jaegers. Giant walking mecha with this yeah. super, super futuristic drift mental technology. Now, in the real world, we can't design and build a new roundabout in 14 months. <laughs> I would like to reference the Gates roundabout in Harlow, which has had oh. the road ripped up and closed for the last five fucking years oh, they built giant like robots in 14 months yeah or i wonder what what would be 14 months on from march march may may 2021 <laughs> i doubt we'll have a vaccine yeah it's like you know we can't we can't do anything in 14 months uh, you know they built giant, they built oh, giant maybe that's because we're all coming together maybe i mean maybe this, this uh in. Maybe if globally all the scientists in the world got in one room, we'd have a vaccine in 14 minutes. But because we're all so <laughs> fractured and bickering between ourselves, like petty little mm -hmm. humans we are, when yeah, it's going to take a lot longer. See, scientists of the world, governments of the world, we could have giant robots, okay? And what are you doing? You, you, you're, you're getting blue passports and fucking bickering with another other building walls and having your petty little wars imagine you have a chip free vaccine in no time if you all just come <laughs> together and stop relying on bill gates look bill bill sort it out mate yeah get your mates together stop worrying about putting chips in the vaccine because to be honest i'm more of a potato surprise man anyway um and, oh, and focus on building giant robots 
I haven't had good potato surprise in like a decade. Really? Uh, yeah. We discovered one of the uh, like Atlantic Fish Bowl or whatever. They were on That's just the one down by um by. It's down by the Swift, is it? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's where I first discovered it when I was a kid, when I was like 15, getting served in They're parks. They're a now. They own a Aren't couple they? of different takeaways in, in Harlow, yeah, in different oh. places. And they are on Just Eat, and they do some good burgers. And they also do Potato Surprise. And oh. it's a lot spicier than I remember because it burns my face off. But Oh, really? It's so good. I yeah. think I'd like it then. Yeah. Check All them like out. Good Potato I Surprise. I got a takeaway curry last week, and I would... My guts were not right for like three days after that. Like, <laughs> it's a curry. What do you expect? That's what they do. <laughs> no, I'm I'm normally like a curry master, like a curry master, and like spicy food master. But this curry, I it ruined me for like three days. <laughs> I was my stomach was just not right at all. I see. My my body has a defense mechanism. Anything anything spicier than fucking barbecue sauce, and <laughs> my, my mouth just stops working. So. I never have to worry about what it's going to do to my bowels because it doesn't make... I get two bites in and I'm just like, nope, nope, I'm dying. That's it. That's it. Bury me. I'm dead. <laughs> I don't. When I was in Bangkok, we went to this restaurant. Well, half restaurant, half sexual health clinic. <laughs> oh it was called Condoms and Cabbages or Cabbages and Condoms. I... <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. It's real. This is a <gasps> real thing. The girl I was with found it and was like, "We're going here. This sounds We're going amazing. here. This sounds so out of our comfort zone. We're going here." <laughs> and you basically had to walk through like a sexual health clinic slash museum to get into the restaurant. There were <laughs> just pockets of condoms everywhere and like literature about good sexual health and stuff. But then you get into the restaurant and it was the prettiest, like all like fairy lights and stuff. It was really nice, but. I ordered food that I, I'd eaten the British takeaway version of before. I yeah. was like, I know I like a type of salad. I know I like this. It took me seven of them, like, extra-sized big bottles of beer just <laughs> to get through these two dishes because they, it was a restaurant for locals and not for tourists. Steve, so they made yeah. it the way they would eat it, not the way we would eat it. I finished it because, you know, I like a challenge. But yeah. about... An hour later, I was on the uh, deck of the Sky Train, drunk, rapping Jay Z, <laughs> at the top of my top of my lungs, so much so that like these really confused Thai people just started surrounding me and watching me doing it. <laughs> that was one of the weirdest nights of my life. I tell you, you you are in for a treat because I have found the Cabbages and Condoms restaurant. Yeah, they have one in Bangkok. Yeah. Chang Chang Rai, Khao Ye, Krabi, Pattaya, Rashaburi, and Bicester. There's one here. There is one in the UK. Based oh. in the very heart of Bicester, a, a market town going back to Saxon times with a historic market square, 16th century buildings, and the parish church of St. Edberg's Trinity. Trinity Cabbages and Condoms, or Trinity C&C, is located on Chapel Street. It's less than one minute walk away from Market Square itself and a stone's throw from Bicester Village Outlet Shopping Centre. There is one in the UK, Stephen. We're going. <laughs> we're going on a, on a podcast road trip. We're going to get the Space Monkeys. We're going to go. Oh, we're going to set up the mic on the table, and we're going to watch how everybody just dies of... Hello to 
Spicer. Overly, overly spiced food. Oh, this is brilliant. I'm excited about life. I it's don't even care about the war. One anymore. hour, 34 minutes away. 72 We're miles. It. We're yep, doing Just it. north of Oxford. Yes, there we go. Going. That's going to be the first road trip. <laughs> the first podcast road trip. Stace, Ash, if you ever calm down. So, <laughs> well, look, get ready. We're going to go and eat some banging Thai food and learn about sexual Brace health yourselves. together. Um, we, we're now, we are now approaching the end of my notes. I don't think I've got many left. Um, okay, but, I'm going to burst in a minute. Yeah. Um, Marshall Pentecost's uh, speech, his rousing speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have it. It's very short. I have it here in its entirety. Today, at the edge of our hope, at the end of our time, we have chosen not only to believe in ourselves, but in each other. Today, we face the monsters that are at our door. Today, we take the fight to them. Today, we are cancelling the apocalypse. That, to me, that speech, I mean, we've said that the dialogue and the, the script in this film is not great. That, to me, is up there with Bill Pullman's speech from Independence Day. I, I was just about to make that exact reference. I was about to yeah. say it's good, but it's not quite as good as the Independence Day one. But Oh, no, that is up there. Just, just, just today, him, him saying it, Idris Elba, yeah. with, with his his voice and his, his accent, it's just, that is spot on for me. And it's it's so, it's another one of those ones that's almost universal. You could use yeah. that yeah, anywhere. Many, yeah. It's yeah. yeah, I really, really like that. And I, I had to stop it, stop it last night and write a note. I started trying to scribble it down, then realized I couldn't actually remember the whole thing word for word. So I went, I made a note, look up the cancelling the apocalypse speech. And yeah, I, I, I copied and pasted that into here so that I could use I could have an excuse to say it. Because <laughs> I love that speech. I think it's it's one it's one slight tiny rice paper level beneath <laughs> beneath the independence day one but it is good i think it is really good i think it tops out independence day for me because um i like idris elba more than bill pullman don't get me wrong i'm a fan of bill pullman but he's no mr elba is he i can't wait till we do independence day that's, that's gonna be a good one yeah welcome to planet earth yes <laughs> just will smith in general just, Big yeah, up, just my will man smith. Will smith. we are we're, this podcast is a fan of will smith Oh yeah, it's been helped Absolutely. by the fact that me, me and the commander have been watching um, uh, Fresh please Prince. Tell me. I was going to say, please tell me you've introduced him to Fresh it's, Prince. It's it's on um, Netflix, and we started from episode one, season one of, and Cody makes me put on, makes me not skip the credits every time. Oh yeah, because he really likes the the theme song. Oh, I have to shout someone out. I don't know her surname, but. Um, <laughs> Shout out Christy. Stacy's brother, Mike, got married. Ooh. And at his wedding, his new wife, Emma, her twin sister, Christy, um, her, her, like, what do they call it? Like, head bridesmaid or whatever it is. Yeah, maid of honor. Yeah. Her speech was basically a rap. She rapped <laughs> this rap about <laughs> Mike and Emma based on the Fresh Prince. Oh my! <laughs> so she wrote it to the, and she got yeah. DJ to play it, and she stood up. Oh my god, that's the best wedding I've ever been to, hands down. Anyway, <laughs> but that was just the icing on the cake. So big up, Christy, you were fucking awesome. <laughs> oh man, I wish I'd done that now. I did my best man speech. <laughs> I didn't. 
we were both joint best men. I don't remember. I didn't have to give a speech. Though, didn't I? You didn't have. No, that that's why it was uh, joint best men. So that uh, basically I would give the speech and you would do the rest of the stuff. <laughs> I think no, I, let's be fair. It was joint best men because he didn't just didn't want to leave me out. I <laughs> didn't want to be mean. Yeah. <laughs> and if anybody else is thinking about this in future, I don't mind being left out. <laughs> as long as there's a free bar i don't mind being left out it's fine well I, I can tell you now when amy and i eventually get married yeah i expect a killer speech because you are being my best man so oh yeah aside from anybody else in the world other than maybe my brother i don't want to do it but i i want to <laughs> do it yeah just so i can give the speech just so i can stand in front of everybody that knows you and open with a line about your chatterbait channel Can we just do we just do an episode? Just do an episode for the best man speech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be the best wedding ever. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that already. Um <laughs> I think that's it. We've covered most of my other most of my other notes now, and I've already given my roundup thing when we uh when we harped on about what this film is earlier and we've gone back to yeah. it several times. So yeah, the grown up Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, you've got a score for it because um, I want you to give your score first because I'm going to break your heart when I give my. Yeah, score. I know you're going to give it. You're going to give it a bad score. I, whilst I really like this film, I can't really give it any more than a. I like this the thing is I like this more than Black Mirror and I gave Black Mirror a six. Yes, yeah, so I. You have to give it. It's hard, right? When you it establish is. a scale and you start yeah. giving scores, it's hard to kind of be like. It's gonna it's gonna be a seven because I like this much as I like Black Mirror. It, it yeah. yeah makes me sound very clever talking about Black Mirror and all the themes behind it. This this to me it features one of my favourite things of all time, which is giant mechs doing yeah. fights and stuff. So this is this this is a seven. This is a seven from me. And now the you're first... gonna break my heart. Listen, I sat through this film twice for you, <laughs> and at the end of the first watch, it it was getting a four, but. <laughs> At the end of the second watch, you got a five. It's getting a five. <laughs> it pulls a five. Um, it pulls a five. Pacific Rim. I'm writing down the scores now so that when I get round to finally eventually uh, updating my list of the, yeah. the rundown so far, um, I'll, I won't have to go back and listen to the episode every time. <laughs> I, was urge, I was edging towards a six, I'll be honest. But then I thought, no, six is too close to seven. And I gave some films I really love, sevens. So I had, to, I had to, on the scale, it's going to be a five. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, there right. you go. So that's a, that's a joint, a merged score of six. Um, if anybody wants to get in their feelings and watch along with us this week, next week, we will be watching Black Panther. Wakanda <laughs> forever. As Indeed. I alluded to earlier, it's probably going to be Kong, Skull Island, because of the giant monsters and stuff. But we lost the king today. Well, last night. And so out of respect, next week's gonna be Black Panther. Which is good because I get to uh I get to talk about how much I love that film. And not just because the world told me I had to love it, but because I did <laughs> genuinely love it. It's genuinely a good film. <laughs> and um I get to shout out what's her name? Letitia. Oh, what's her surname? She plays um the king's sister. Yeah, I know who you mean. I can't think of her name. 
she's fucking awesome. And I will learn her name before next week so I can <laughs> I can pick her up pro- well. If I get through this war unscathed, we will be back it's next live. week for Black Panther. There you go, folks. Something to look forward to in this dismal, post-apocalyptic, dystopian future we find ourselves in. Come on, Steve. Raise their hopes one last time. Do your thing. Find what you love. Believe in it. Positive things will happen. Wakanda forever.